Coming to you from high atop our studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 47. In today's show, Keith gets his hands on a bunch of new lenses for the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. We also talk about the GoPro Hero 7, the Zeeung Weebill Lab handheld stabilizer, and the Canon EOS R. I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready. It's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! Well, welcome to another exciting episode of Tech Move. It is actually a brand new calendar year, at least the time that we're recording this. It is now 2019. I am Rod Louie, and with me is the lovely and attractive Keith Moreau. Keith, Happy New Year to you. Oh, Happy New Year. It is Happy New Year. It yes. is. It's uh, it's really a fantastic way to start the new year with a uh, new episode of Tech Move and to talk about all kinds of neat stuff that has transpired uh, <laughs> since the end of last year to the yes. beginning of this new year and all the cool new things we've experienced. Because usually, you know, end of the year, starting of the new year... I noticed that, at least for me, that's when you start using a little bit of the equipment a little bit more often, whether it be family parties or you go <laughs> away and do something or what have you. There's a lot more opportunity. So I think we've got a few things that we could really talk about, Keith. Yes, yeah, definitely. There's so, a few things that I got, and I always buy a bunch of stuff at the end of the year, and I get a chance to use it usually by this time. And And, and, and so... You know, what's going to be exciting about this uh, uh, kickoff to the new year is I, uh, I, this is where I want to go, Keith. I want to go with, with a couple, uh, make this, you know, uh, opening segment of the show kind of like maybe a review segment uh, for some of these new things that you have. And oh, yeah. uh, I, uh, one thing, and I have absolutely no idea what this thing is. Uh, when you and I had our pre-production meeting, um you mentioned something about some. Uh, I'm gonna get this. Is what is this a company name? Is it a product name? Webill Lab is the oh. uh, is is, <laughs> is 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 the item. What is this? It's the Zion, the <gasps> Zion brand Webill Lab. Oh, uh, it's our friend Zion, huh? Yes, it's our friends at Zion. Yeah, oh. they came out with a couple. They they actually so remember we actually looked at it a little bit in the Amsterdam episode the, the IBC Amsterdam yeah. and so yeah. it actually came out at the end of last year and you could buy it so I bought one so it's available now it is available now yeah oh. it is well, yeah. well g g give us the full run g g give us the full name of the uh, 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 of the uh, of the item I think it's called Zion I guess is it is it Zion Crane or just Zion Weeble W E E-B-I-L lab. And I believe a Weeble is a bird of a particular type that reminded them of 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 some some features in the in the gimbal. I'm not really sure. I think it's like a little small, like a 
I think it's like the smallest bird that can peck out your eyes or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, There's something. Well, well, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at it right now. It's the uh, Zion Tech Weeble Labs. It's a handheld stabilizer. It's the new. It, it's it's one of their latest and greatest. I I, I think. Yeah, I think it's so. It's it's gotten one of these these um, different designs that's that they've come out with, which nobody nobody's come out with this this design yet except for Zion. And so I think you know. So there's there's different ways to think about um, gimbals. You know, there used to be just a two-handed standard gimbal, which was usually big and you know imposing. And then then we started to have this whole slew of single-handled gimbals. And then we started to have this these gimbals that where the back um, the back motor was a little bit down at an angle, so it wouldn't block screens as much. Right. So there was a kind of a series of those, and now. Weeble is coming out with a series of of gimbals that have the batteries instead of being in the grip that you hold, the batteries are in a little pod kind of above above your hand, sticking backward. And and so the whole thing becomes a lot more compact and shorter. Um, it's still and it, it's and, it, and it's kind of surprising because you think that well, if it's sticking out, isn't it going to take up more space and be even more bulky? But it's actually not. It's it's pretty compact. Um, and so. And then there's you can also um, mount um, a handle. You can take the tripod legs off and screw them into this back part, and then you can tilt it down and and kind of use it in like underslung mode. But it's more like an in between underslung and upright mode, and I'm it works really well. I'm looking at pictures of it, and it looks it looks a bit different from the one at IBC, if I'm not correct. It it looks like the 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 handles are a little shorter than what we might have seen at IBC, but I don't know. Look, um, what we saw at IBC was, yeah, the one that we saw at IBC was mostly the other one, the Crane 3, yeah. which is kind of like a mini version of this. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean a maxi version of this. This is a mini version of the, the Crane 3, which is not out yet. I don't think it's available to buy yet. Um, but, uh, but it's similar, in, in, but everything's a little bit bigger and heavier in that one. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to inter- interested in that or not. But I really was intrigued by this one because it's really small and light. It's actually pretty compact. It does look great. Yeah. Um, sm- some of the lightness might have to do with the, the, the build quality. It's a bit, the plastic and parts and stuff seem a little bit on the light, thin side, but it seems like it's functional. So I'm not complaining about that. I'm just note- noting that it seems like some parts are a little bit on the, on the thin side and light side, but that's also contributing to the fact that it's all really light. Um, but it also is able to carry quite a bit of weight. So one of the first things I did obviously was just put my black magic pocket 4k on there. And I was actually able to balance it with a little bit, with some tricks here and there. Nice. So, yeah. In fact, I think you saw this crane. Remember with the party we were yeah, at? I it? I, yeah. I, 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 I believe I remember seeing it and it, yeah. it, and it looks kind of like what all, you know, all these other, promotional shots are um, are, are yeah. showing us it looks like the same thing it looks really great yeah so I think it's it, it could work really well with a small smallish lens and and maybe the heaviest thing you'd want to put on it or biggest thing you'd want to put is the is the pocket 4k but you could put a GH5 on it you could probably put all the a7s on there um, you might you probably couldn't put like a c200 or c100 on there it might be a little bit too big but you might be able to get a maybe c100 in the kind of cinema type camcorder range mm-hmm. um and and i used it and i found it to be once once it was adjusted um 
and the balance was good, I found it to be not bad. You know, it felt like it was maybe, maybe with this Pocket 4K configure that I had in there, it was maybe a little on the edge. Like, it couldn't use a little bit more power, but it wasn't bad. Like, you could do most stuff with it without it going nuts. So, um, so I have, I'm actually going to keep it. Is one of the things that I bought that I would, you know, I buy a lot of the stuff at the end of the thinking that I might return them. Right. Because usually they have these really good deals where you can, like, if you buy them in, the, in, in, in November, you can actually have a couple months to use and then return these things. Right. Both Amazon and B&H and some other places have that, that deal. So, so when I buy this stuff, like in December, I know that I have a little bit more time to evaluate them. And in this case, I'm going to keep it because I think it's, it's a really good small gimbal. I think it's better than, than like the, the, we, I mean the, uh, Zion, um, V2, mm-hmm. which is like this, they're small, pretty popular, um, gimbal of, like a year or so ago, year and a half ago. And um it's and it's also way smaller than the crane too. Hey, so, you, you know, I'm looking at some of these uh pictures and a lot of them uh have what looks to be like a um external monitor adapter that you could kind of put maybe a, a cell phone monitor or maybe a a small HD uh type of monitor. Did you get one of those? Um, no, I did not get, get that one, um, yet, but I did get the, and, and the reason for this, for that is, um, I think it costs something to buy that little extra attachment, um, which I just, so when I got this, the, the, the version I got, it wasn't, that attachment thing was not available. Um, it, it was only available just the simple crane itself. Right. And then the new set of attachments, it comes with all these accessories. Um, it comes with um, the, this, uh, you, can, you can buy it like a package and pay a bit more, maybe like a couple hundred dollars more, and then you get all these extra things. But if you buy them separate, it's like 229 and then you, what do you get with that? Um, you get the phone holder, which you're talking about, and then you get the um, servo zoom focus controller. Um, for the crane three in the Weeble lab. And then you get, um, the transmount mini tripod and the transmount quick connector and then the multifunctional camera belt. So I didn't really need all that stuff. That, so, sound, that sounds like a lot of stuff that, that, yeah, that you yeah. could have had. Yeah. And so I just wanted to get the crane and I don't really, I'm not, I don't feel that great about using my iPhone as a little monitor. On it, and I think the, there's lag. I've read I read some reviews about the app is not that great, and there's some lag in it, so it becomes a little bit less useful. Sure. And these and most of these cameras I have, they have pretty good viewfinders, so or pretty good LCDs. So I would just use that. But you probably could program. put your small HD uh, external exactly. monitor on there, though. Exactly, exactly. And I think it would be no no latency and way better brightness and and stuff like that. Right. So I don't know if I just want to have my my iPhone just hanging off, you know, my yeah, fifteen hundred dollar iPhone hanging off this thing. Right, I don't, I don't know if this, I would either. Yeah, so but I did order the um, follow focus thing for it, so um, I, I will be able to use a follow focus on this gimbal, and um, that was like it wasn't too expensive, it was like less than a hundred dollars for just a little um, clip on follow focus motor you can put into gears, and it's operatable by this little knob that's on the edge of the the weeble. So anyway. Um, yeah, I like it. I, th- I I I like it. It's pretty powerful. It's quite light, and 
I like the design. I like the ability to um, kind of tilt it forward and use this kind of flashlight mode, mm-hmm. but in a, in a more ergonomic way, you're not putting all the weight on your wrist. You're kind of like more like hanging it, like more like underslung mode. Um, I really like that. It actually is a really good idea. And um, a lot of a lot of uh, the way that they advertise is by using this little the bottom small little bottom tripod and taking it off and then clipping it onto the onto the backside to put it into that mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I just screwed in a like a regular handle that I had lying around because it's got a quarter twenty in there too. So I kind of have both things going at the same time. So I don't have to sacrifice the tripod capability for this extra handle on on the on the back end. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I I think what's really most shocking here in a great start to the new year is uh, a piece of gear that Keith Moreau will not be returning, which is uh, really unheard of. <laughs> at, at, at least, at the, so this is going to be quite the year of uh, products. I think this is going to be quite exciting. I hate to see what happens after CES arrives and uh, announcements that are made and what you'll be going crazy for. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> so something else that I got recently that I will not be returning. Oh my God. We're two for two. Holy mackerel. Okay, let's go. Um, is the GoPro Hero 7. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, the GoPro Hero 7 highly touted because of this uh, stabilization feature that they have. Mm-hmm. Yes, the the kind of electronic. I don't know exactly how they do it, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So you I actually showed you. So I went to Puerto Vallarta recently, yes. and I shot a bunch of stuff. I actually just had it on. It has all the this. It, it works with all the standard GoPro connections, uh, mounting connections, which is so great, right? I mean that that that's really so awesome. So it's like no matter what GoPro you have, you can probably use all the same stuff. Yeah, all the all this stuff that goes beyond the little kind of hinge. Um, panning connection that they have it's like a little I, I think you've seen it right it's like a little yep. um yeah and and, and and so all that stuff is the same the the cases and the, the exterior dimensions and things are different than like the kind of the, the gopro i think three and four were similar so you could use all the same cases and and things on those um and then when it went to the five five through the seven there is no case necessary there's no waterproof case necessary mm-hmm. um you can get cases if you want, but it's a totally different design. So those old cases don't work, and and battery backpacks and things like that they don't work. But um, but the actual connectors, like to your bike or your helmet or your yep. or 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 the body uh, 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 thing, yes, that that'll work. Those are all work. So so what I did was I I put that attachment and at this um, zip lining place. So Veronica and I went zip lining in Puerto Vallarta. And so this was a perfect opportunity to really test the the GoPro Seven. Yeah. So I basically had I I also ordered a bunch of third party batteries for it because this thing eats batteries, and I learned a little. I, I researched later. I should have done it before my trip, but I researched later about how to save some some battery life on it. Like it has Wi Fi on all the time, and it has GPS on all the time, and screen dimming and all that stuff can be adjusted so that it uses as little as possible. And I didn't. I just had it in full battery use mode. Oh, okay. So. So yeah, so I had to just really monitor it and make sure that I wasn't going to run out of battery. And I actually only had to, I think, switch the battery for a pretty long period of time. It was, I think, I only used three batteries in like a four-hour span or something like that. So that wasn't too bad. Not bad. Yeah, 
um, and I had to op. It was on my head, right, right on the top of my head. Right. Um, they supplied these helmets, and one of the helmets actually had a GoPro like uh, mount stuck on it. Oh, great! So, so yeah, so, so it was I already just had, ready for it. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I just put my my thing on there, and it, <clears throat> and I had to kind of, <clears throat> you know, aim it so that <clears throat> when my head was straight, it was going to get a good view. It wasn't like looking at the sky or mm-hmm. you know my feet or <laughs> right. Something. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, um, but. But overall, it <clears throat> that worked really well, and uh, you saw some of the footage and you and you checked it out. Yep. <clears throat> and I was actually, I was actually amazed how good the footage was, like how clear it was, how there weren't too many emotion artifacts nor compression artifacts in it, even with all that movement. I agree. Yeah. I I I thought that, uh, and given that with that there was no like lighting assisting or no no extra lights than what you just had. I thought it looked really really good. Yeah, it's it did something magical to the lighting to make everything look good. I think there's some intelligence in there kind of like the iPhones have and a lot of the smartphones have. Yeah. But um yeah, and then another thing that I was really actually very happy with the quality was the quality of the sound. The audio was excellent. Yes. Just the built-in the built-in audio was way better than any other GoPro um, that I've experienced. And I think part of it is cause it doesn't have to have a case so it can be exposed and then exposed to the elements or whatever. But then the mic is also exposed, but it's not covered up. Um, it's not, it doesn't have some kind of plastic barrier between it itself and the outside world. So I think that helps, but for however they did it, um, they were able to get the sound really, really good. So <clears throat> yeah, it picked up I mean, even background noise and stuff. Yeah, I picked that up too, but it didn't overly compress it. You know, things were still still um, pretty good. And I didn't even really adjust anything. I actually didn't adjust any of the sound levels or anything on it. I, I assume that they are adjustable, but I didn't do anything. And I just adjusted it for, I think, ProTune, which is a more flat pro- profile in there. And then the highest bit rate was pos- that was possible. And I did everything at 60 frames per second, thinking that I could slow stuff down if I needed to. Right. But then... But that what you saw on YouTube, I had actually transcoded it down to, I used Premiere Pro to actually turn it into 24p, and it still looked pretty filmic, right? Oh, I thought like it video. did. I, th- I thought it looked great. Yeah. If you look at the original 60p, it looks kind of, it kind of has that soap opera effect. Cause oh, it's, okay. Know, but but if you can take that, if you take that 60p and then you, and then you sample it down to 24, it actually, that movement works pretty well. Mm. And it could say, it's able to translate that pretty well. Um, I didn't have any indies on it. I didn't. I, I probably could have and probably should have had indies because I ha- probably would have had a little bit less, a little bit more natural um, shutter speed on there. It was probably a little bit jerky, and it was faster than than whatever one twenty one twentieth of a second or whatever would have been acceptable. But um, but still not bad. Um, and and you know we're talking about a lot of leaves and movement and small little detail that's moving around, right? And and, and usually that's like the bane of all compression artifacting. That that's like the worst that you can get in, in compression artifacting. At the very best, even on good camcorders, it can look like mush because there's so much detail and the compression can't keep up with it. I mean, you could you could capture it in raw and it would look really really good, but when you start compressing that, there's just so much movement that the the compressor has to just take out all the detail and turn things into macro blocks or just smooth things all, all out. But in this case, whatever compression they're using, which I think is the high, it's the high efficiency codec, which is a.265. That's was really good. And the movement, it, there wasn't a lot of blockiness in the image. And you saw the YouTube one, which is probably going to be blockier than the native one. Right. Um, 
by the way, just just a hint: if you watch all the people that have a Mac, if you watch YouTube videos on your computer, um, you can't get um, you can't get UHD resolution out of Safari. So for oh, some reason, so oh, out of yeah. the browser Safari. Yeah, because I was going, why can't? Why is it only going up to 1080p? And then when I looked at the 1080p, it was crap. Like there was so much motion artifacting, and then I and then I did a little research, and it turns out that the Safari defaults to H.264 or the combination of YouTube and Safari. So, but when you use Chrome, which is another browser available on on the Mac, it does default to H.265 streaming, mm -hmm. and that gives you much more detail, a lot less blockiness, and you can go up to 4K. So, so you um, use Chrome, you, everyone. Yeah, if you want to look at the highest quality possible quality use chrome i think maybe the ios devices do, are okay mm. especially if you look at them through the app but um but at least on a computer so i was just wondering why does this look so bad and that actually just that transition transition happened a couple of years ago not that long ago so anyway um good yeah that's so, yeah so, it was yeah. it was really really nice uh, yeah. uh how much are the uh hero sevens going for now how much i think are it's like things? i think they're 400 400 i believe and and then you, sometimes you can get some things thrown in. I don't think I got anything thrown. I think I just got it. Yeah, about what three ninety nine somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, I think sometimes you can get like cards thrown in and other yeah. accessories. But you know, actually, you know, I used to do a lot of shooting on on uh, you know the the standard um, camcorders that we've we've experienced you know from the beginning of HD. Yep. Um, using the um, what's that system? The the system that 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 you know where there's the folder with a certain um, MTS files and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I, it's you mean what, I, what you mean? What I just got away from with, with my uh, GH one? You mean the one yes. I just got away from yes. after all these years? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, I it, I don't even know what you call it, but I'm so used to it. I, I I'm not used to it now because now I have to learn it all over again. <laughs> well, anyway, so that that system was around forever, and even you know my like my C100, which is three years old, used that system of recording, and and I think you could only get up to something like 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 24 megabits per second or something at the best, the best you could possibly do. Mm -hmm. So. Everything just looks. I mean, when I look back at those old videos, they look they can look really bad, you know, especially if there's movement in there. Right. And 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 this one, and yet those camcorders that you could get were like really expensive, thousands oh, yeah. of dollars. Oh sure. Um, yeah. I feel like this teeny little portable thing you can put in your pocket is better quality than like the best quality camcorders you can get a few just a few years ago, which oh, is kind of crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> You know, right, right. Like right. even like 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 even on the FS one hundred, right? Which is which is you know it's like a four or five thousand dollar camcorder, not that old. I mean, and then there's successors of that. Um, even though, or even like the FS seven hundred, which I still have. Right. That that unless you record externally to RAW, that only records in that format. You know that MTS file format. I'm gonna just. I'm just going to look at that what what that format's called because I can't stand it. You can't can't stand not knowing what the format was. <laughs> yeah, that, I, that what is, is it no called? longer in existence. <laughs> it, yeah, what what is the what is the um, the format? It's um, nobody knows because nobody's no, no, been no. using it forever. 
Yeah, AVCHD. Okay. Oh. Why didn't I know this? I knew this for years and somehow I'd forgotten that. But yeah, the standard was called AVCHD. Right. And it used the same format that that um, that Blu-rays have, you know, like the same folders and this and that. They were trying to kind of combine the formats together. So yeah, AVCHD had only a certain bit rate, you know, and it just, and this, and this little GoPro 7 just blows it away. It just blows it away. Yeah. So this is, technology is just amazing. Yeah. You know? Oh, it, it, it's absolutely true. I mean, like, you, you know, it, it's, it's funny how, like, um, the GoPro even, was it the 4 or the 5? That was, I, I remember you and I had talked about it. And it's, it was, like, really good at that, at that point. It was yeah, still good. Yeah, it was not bad. Yeah, it was not bad. It was and, not bad. And now yeah. this thing is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so so I guess I just just guess as standards and tech gets better our our own personal standards get better. You know, now we're have just a higher bar. Everything has a higher bar. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I like it a lot. It's worth I think it's worth four hundred bucks. I think the the stabilization is is amazing. I think we talked about it a little bit in a pre- yep. previous episode, but it's just I don't know how they do that, but there's some kind of electronic stabilization going on, but there's I don't see any rolling shutter. I don't see any artifacting as a result of it. It's fairly stable and smooth. I mean, I mean, really stable and smooth for if you're even if it's really bumpy. Right. So it's almost like it's on a gimbal. Yeah. But you don't need this all this gimbal paraphernalia. So anyway, I would recommend it. Um, it's not you just there's not like a, an extra lens or it's not like a DSLR where you can have customize it a lot. It's pretty much what you get. But right. still, if you just want something that's going to work, I don't know if you can really you know beat it for four hundred bucks. Right. Right, right, right. Could could you ever use something like this in a professional setting? Yeah, in fact, it's things like this. Even the GoPro ones, you know, were used in in movies and stuff. Yeah, occasionally here and there, mm-hmm. and you can always tell because it's that one shot where they're and it's strapped to the bottom of a motorcycle or something, and it's got all this rolling shutter and it looks like crap. <laughs> but and the thing is, I know it's rolling shutter because I I know what causes that. Right, people just go, oh, it's. You know, they might not even notice it or go, oh, that's a little wavy. Right. You probably wouldn't have. Or they think it's their own TV or something (laughs) like that. That's all. Yeah. And probably their TV is set to be in squeezed mode. So they're watching it in the wrong aspect ratio anyway. Right. (laughs) Like they never set it for the factory to watch HD. But, um, but, but they're, but these shots are even used in, in movies and, and high end TV shows. And, and, and now you have this thing that doesn't even, won't even have that issue. So, yeah. So I'm sure that they'll be used. I'm sure they'll be used, you know, just for short shots, not for, you know, super long shots, but here not for and there. the entire film, but just for, uh, just for an effect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And certainly used in reality shows. I could imagine it. Oh you know, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I can, I can also imagine using this as a car, like an interior car cam. Right. Very successfully. As oh, long yeah. as it wasn't too dark. So. Sure. Yeah. Cause I think there's still issues with the light. I, I didn't, I didn't film a lot in low light. Um, I just uh, used it in the bright and bright. It's really good. So, yeah, that's great. That's yeah. awesome. That, so, very, very good. Yeah. So, wow. So, so here we, so l- l- let's review again. Two things out of two that you're actually going to keep, which is incredible. Yes. yes. And one thing which I really, really was on the fence with, but after like about a week ago, I said, man, eh, I'm going to return this. <laughs> and that's my new and soon to be returned EOS R and Ninja 5. Oh, and so, and Ninja 5. Yeah, because really there's no point in getting getting the EOS R without the Ninja 5. 
And the reason for that is the EOS R internally does not record, it only records 8-bit internally. So you need you, you need to, to get the 10-bit 422 color space, you need to externally, you need to send that out of HDMI and put that into the Ninja 5 or some other some other type of recorder. Any Animus recorder will probably do it. But um, yeah, so I got those two together and those two together, that's a substantial amount of money. It's like 3,300 bucks or something for the two things or 3,200 because the, the EOS R is like 22, 23 and then you need to get an adapter to adapt your, your old Canon lenses, the regular EF type lenses to it and that's like $200 to get the fancy one. Which adapter? Um, so the one thing that's really cool about the EOS R, okay, so the EOS R is, is a mirrorless system. And it's a totally different, like you can't take your, your EF lenses and, and stick them right onto the camera. It won't work. It's a different mount and everything. So Canon, though, has come out with this, this adapter system, which it's basically like a Metabones kind of, it's not really a Metabones, but it's like the Metabones without the speed booster in it, mm, okay? Right. So it takes it takes the EF lens and then the back end, is it fits the Canon. And it's really precision. It's really good. And you can get the really dumb one that's just 100 bucks. All it does is adapt it, or you can get the the fancier one, which has a ring, and you can assign whatever you want to that ring. So most people would assign, assign the the aperture control. Mm-hmm. So then you can turn your non aperture controlled EF lenses into ones with aperture control, which is really cool. Um, you know, because that was an issue with the the EOS system is it didn't have they they removed the aperture ring from all the lenses and said made an internal, so it was just more of a dial than a than a than a ring. Right. Well, you, now that's back if you want it. And so that's another $200 and then it becomes like 25 and then you add the Ninja 5 and that's like another 6. And then okay, so now you're up to like, you know, 31, $3200, you know, with the cables and things. So yeah, so that's it's not insubstantial. And so what do you get out of that? Well, you get a really nice still camera. It's a really nice still camera. It's really smooth. It's like it's it's equivalent I think in image quality to the highest end one of the highest end cannons, like the 5D Mark IV. As far as uh, still image, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. as far as still mm-hmm. image quality mm-hmm. and, and use. Um, and you get 4K internal recording at a really high bit rate, like 400 megabits per second or something really high. Mm-hmm. Like really, really good bit rate, which is awesome, right? Because the bit rate is what's responsible for the image quality in a lot of cases. And <clears throat> and so that part is really cool. But the thing that's not cool is, is it and when you're in 4K mode, <clears throat> because you can get all kinds of HD versions of of DSLRs and mirrorless and all that stuff, and they're great. But but this was the first 4K internal recording system um, that was shot in a c- compressed format um, mm. that was kind of practical. You can get the 1DX Mark II, and it does 4K, but <clears throat> but it's also six thousand dollars or something like that. Right. So, yeah. So um, this is the first practical one. It's kind of similar to the A7 series of kind of like like the Canon's version of the of the Sony A7R2 or something like that. Um but when you when you record 4K it's cropped and it's cropped to like 1.8 or 1.9 crop. Okay? That so then That you, sounds like a lot. It's a lot. So then you're starting in, getting into like GH5 yeah, and GH5S categories. Right? I mean that's almost micro four thirds kind of numbers it, it sounds like. It it is. It yeah. is. So so then you have to start shifting your whole lens set to use the wider lenses you know and so even at that crop even a like even an 18 
or 16 millimeter isn't really that wide, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So then you start going to your, like your 10 millimeter lenses and then you, th there aren't that huge selection of those. Another thing is it doesn't have in, in built in, in body image stabilization. So that's another kind of a minus. So you, you can't use, even if you have a wide lens, you have to make sure you're really stable when you're shooting with it. You get tons of micro jitter with it. Oh, so you definitely have to be on a tripod or, or a stabilized lens. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple stabilized lenses in that wide range, like there's a 1018, which I have, and it's but it's not a super high quality lens. You know, it's not. You wouldn't necessarily want to use it for for the best quality, and there's there's not much else mm -hmm. in that range. There's a 16, um, 16 to 35, which I have, um, which is not bad, f4, but that's still not that wide. So, and then on top of that, the rolling shutter in 4K is horrible. Oh, really? It's really, it's like, it's like the worst rolling shutter of any modern camcorder that I've experienced. Wow. It's really, it's really bad. And a lot of people say, oh no, you don't even notice it. It's not that bad and this and that, but I actually notice it. Like uh -huh. when you move the camera around, you really notice it. Like part of the image is lagging behind the other side. Like the top half is laggy behind the bottom half. So, and I, and I feel like that's a subliminal thing that people notice when mm -hmm. there's a little bit of movement mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. and maybe you can't pin it down. Like why? why don't I like this or why does it seem unstable to me? And I think that's the reason I think I'm really sensitive to it as well. So I need something that I'm going to be happy with. Um, so for all those reasons, um, I think it's an awesome, I think in a lot of ways it's really, really awesome. But I think for video, it's just kind of like halfway there. Interesting. Yeah. So, so as a stills camera, terrific. It's really small. It's smaller than a GH five or even the a sevens. Oh really? But it's smaller still, than GH5. But it's, wow. Yeah. But it okay. still feels really good. Mm -hmm. It's still it feels way. I feel like it feels way better than the Sony's, and it feels at least as good as the GH five. But it's smaller than mm -hmm. the GH five. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that part's really good. Um, and then ergonomically, eh, but it's not bad. It's not terrible. Just like you know, the, the with button position and things. There's a slider on there which has limited functionality. Most people hate it. Mm -hmm. I didn't even use it, so I, I jury's out on that. But I didn't really need to use it. But I just feel like. I think the next version of this, or maybe the pro version of this, that has a couple different things, maybe not so much crop on the 4K, a little bit less rolling shutter, that's going to be the one to get. Okay. And the and the images coming at it, I did shoot a bunch of video with it, and the images are really filmic. The image quality is awesome um, for video. Like, like it matches the C200 quality. Like, I was thinking, okay, well, if I need a third camera, you know, for run and gun maybe this would be good and it would be easy to match to my C200s. And maybe if I start getting situations like I really need that third camera to match, then I'll get it, get, get it again. But mm. right now I really don't need it. I can get my other cameras to match. Right. So, right. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so it's, it's almost there. It's almost there. Like I was really on the edge. I was really like, do I really need it? It's really cool. It'd be really nice to have. I could use it, mm -hmm. but do I really need it? You know, I kind of like I already have these GH5s, which are really close to it, and in a lot of ways, much more functional. Mm -hmm. 4K, they have better slow motion, crops almost the same. They have in-body stabilization. There's, I have a ton of lenses now. They're smaller and lighter overall. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, it's really cool to have, but I probably wouldn't wind up using it that much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, yeah. and, 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 and like, like you said, the GH5 is going to just be a little bit more useful to you. I think so. Well, in usefulness and ergonomics, they're really similar. 
Mm-hmm. And I think in image quality, maybe the EOS R just has a slight, like slightly better, a little bit more filmic, a little bit more matching. But is that worth it for me? Not right now. Maybe if I didn't have the GH5s, I, I would reconsider. Mm-hmm. But since I have them, I don't don't really need it. One thing that's really cool about this one, which I don't, I think it's one of the first Canons that have is the flip out screen. So oh, it's, uh-huh. yeah, and that's really really useful. It's useful for all kinds of things. It's Did extreme. It, although, didn't don't all the um uh weren't all those uh uh entry level EOSes? Didn't they all have the flip out screen? Um, I, I guess they, what like the D no D7, like the, like like the Rebels like the Rebels and stuff like that. I thought the Rebels had flip out screen. Um, and then we, honestly, I, I, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. But I, I'd have to research it. Right. But I think that, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of them did, but they didn't do 4k recording. Right. And so that was the big thing. Sure. Um, and, and you know, the, the, the five D Mark four and some others, uh, do have some limited 4k, but they don't have the flip out screens. Mm-hmm. All of them are, sta- are, are standard. Like yeah. even the one D x or whatever they the one that's the high-end one that shoots really good uh film mm-hmm. really good video is is still doesn't have the flip out screen it's just a flat st- fixed screen which is crazy so, i still find that to be crazy though it is mm-hmm. it is yeah. yeah so anyway lots of great advantages and also they're going to come out with a um an nd that that so you know the adapter i was telling you about that yep. goes in between yep. they're going to sell they actually are coming out very soon with an nd a, a, a rotatable variable ND oh, okay. in that slot, mm-hmm. so so you can get your ND filter for video um, if you need it. And so that's actually really really cool. So all that stuff is is makes it good, but need in body stabilization and less crop. I think with those two things, it would have been like a total home run, but just not enough for me to keep it right. And then the Ninja Five is really cool. It's really amazingly small and light. It's awesome, but I don't need a small and light little external recorder i just don't need it yeah i mean i mean now with you know uh with everything that can be recorded internally do you you think there's a uh that that's going to hurt that kind of market going forward uh you know five you can record you know you know you don't need that kind of stuff right i mean you just it's it's becoming a little less of a big deal right. for the external recorders. I I think I don't necessarily think it's going to hurt the market because the they double as really good monitors. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think instead of people getting like getting the small HD, unfortunately, because it's a great company, I think they're going to start getting the the Atomuses because the Atomuses are not that much more expensive, and you get more. You get mm-hmm. a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for example, I could record 10 bit out. Um, using the GH5, but it's got 10-bit internal recording. So, mm-hmm. do I need that or not? You know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see how the market. You know, I mean, they're always coming out with great things. And they're always innovative. I think they're going to do okay. I think maybe some of the companies like Small HD are maybe not going to do as well though. That's my. Even though I like those guys a lot. Mm. So yeah. anyway, so that's that's my report. So those are my uh, th- and that's a big report. You know, two out of mm. three is uh, still beyond our wildest imaginations, you know? I mean, uh, uh, the Xeon, the GoPro, those are definitive keeps. The EOS was almost there. It sounds to me as if you kind of rode it as long as you possibly could uh, before you actually had to make a a full-on decision. And, um, 
you know, maybe the EOS RS will be the one that you want to get. So, uh, yes, yes. And I have no insider information on that. So don't quote me, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, but I do, uh, but I don't mind spreading terrible rumors <laughs> like that. So, all right. Fantastic. Well, yep. uh, great. Hey, that's a, that's a lot of stuff to kick off the new year, Keith. I'll tell you that. There is. And there, and we're going to have two segments coming up in this episode that's right one in the one in the middle and one at the conclusion that we talk about um all my experiences good and bad with the new black magic pocket cinema 4k that's right so uh e- e- even though we're, we're we're teasing it uh a, a little bit now we've actually talked about it extensively in our other recordings that we're going to share with you now uh, yep. But we will. Uh, you're you're going to hear a lot of great stuff, and uh, in in fact, uh, this might very well turn out to be the Black Magic uh, Cinema Camera 4K episode. But uh, we'll we'll see how well it goes. Uh, okay, uh, Keith, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to yep. come back with uh, some more uh, discussions about stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, we will uh, continue on with more after this short little timeout if we can. All right. Okay. Very good. We'll uh, be right back with more on Tech Move. Welcome back to Tech Move, and with deals kind of happening all throughout the year, like when I picked up my Sigma Art, you know, my beautiful, what is it, 1.8 lens that that I have, that one that everyone loves, and Mm -hmm. I just love it. You know, at that point, I had already gotten, what did I tell you it was? It was like 200, 300 bucks off or something. I think it was 200 bucks off. Yeah, it's a really good deal. I mean, that was just a fabulous, fabulous deal. Yep. Uh and uh and I just love it and it's it's a great uh it's really a great video and still lens mm-hmm. uh and I wouldn't trade it for the world but you know of course it gets me going as to thinking about other lenses that that might be there you know of course what comes to mind are the you know Panasonic 2.8s uh, you know those zoom lenses mm-hmm. and uh and some other ones but I know now that kind of like your new, uh, at least new flavor of the month right now is the Blackmagic <laughs> Cinema Camera 4K, right? And uh, which is also a micro four thirds, which yes. uh, also means that I should be able to use whatever lens you're going to be feeding it onto my GH4. Um, I would like to know what you have been thinking about and or picking up to build up your arsenal uh, for this new camera. Right. Well, um, so one of the things that just makes it work kind of out of the box is the fact that I, I had got a or I have a couple speed boosters for it. I have the 0.71 and the 0.64, I think it is. And, and and these so, are the Metabone speed boosters, right? It's yep. not like my Viltrox, which is, you know, a, a different brand and style. But you actually are using the real Metabones. Yep. Speed I'm boosters. Us- yep, I'm using the six hundred fifty dollar right Metabones <laughs> speed boosters. Right. Yeah, and I got the two kinds. One's one's a little bit <clears throat> one one makes things a little bit wider than the other. 
but uh, but is not necessarily right for all lenses because if it possibly could a vignette depending on the lens that you use. But I just got both of them because they're <clears throat> they're highly rated. I had an old speed booster, so I have I have an old one um, that's not as modern. I don't think the le- the lens quality is quite as good because there's a little lens in there in all the speed boosters. It's just a single element, I think, and it just uh, essentially shrinks the the image circle from full frame or whatever you put on there to uh, micro four thirds. And in doing so, it, it, it makes things actually a little bit sharper because it's kind of shrinking this larger image to a smaller image. Kind of like when you down res video from 4k to, for, to, to HD, it gets, gets a little bit sharper. Yes. Um, kind of the same thing. And also it makes it a little bit more light sensitive, usually like a stop or so. Um, depending on the speed booster, so that's so there's a kind of benefits there. But anyway, when I do that, I have I have my whole arsenal of EF lenses to choose from, um, and that's that's good because I've got a pretty big selection. But um, one of the things I I'd also like to do is to not have to adapt all these lenses and put these honking big uh, EF lenses on there, Canon type lenses, and then the speed boosters and have this huge thing, huge heavy thing all the time. Right. Um, <clears throat> and so. I've ordered and and acquired a few um a few uh just native micro four thirds lenses just so I can plop them right on there and and because of that I've kind of gone for some that are faster because I'm not going to have that advantage of the speed booster um making it faster right so right yeah so um so I think I talked in the last episode a bit about a few of the lenses I was getting. Um, that I'd gotten uh, a couple of Panasonics, like Panasonic 24 Prime and uh, the 42 uh, Prime as well, and then and then uh, a zoom that went from eight to 18 or something like that. So I've been I've been trying those out and I like them. Um, they're really super nice lenses. They're also pretty expensive. They're like a thousand and they kind of hover around thousand dollars each. Some a little bit more, some a little less. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep them all or not because I got a, another. Um, set of lenses um, that are not necessarily Panasonic um, recently. <clears throat> and I've tried them out a little bit, but I'm going to try them out more and give you like maybe more of an evaluation of like which ones I'm going to keep. Because I don't think I'm going to keep all these lenses. This is like a lot of lenses. It's probably like $8,000 of lenses or something that I've ordered. And and how and, many and, how many is how many lenses actually? Just as far as sheer um, number oh, of total, lenses? Yeah, total new lenses. Let me see. Uh, eight Eight of them, eight, yeah. Yeah, eight yeah. new lenses. Well, yeah. actually, that doesn't count uh, these other kind of lenses that I'm going to talk about in a second, but I'll just talk about the native lenses first mm-hmm. um, that I got, that I'm getting. So I think I, I talked about the Panasonics that I got. They're like the Primes, and those are really nice. They're, you know, they're basically, you know, the the the, the Lumix Leica badge lenses, lenses, so they're super high quality. Yeah. Um, really sharp, really tack sharp. Um pretty fast some of them and you know i like them i shot a little bit with them and overall i like them i i did a little hike the other day just to kind of test the lenses and i and i shot with the uh the zoom lens that I, that i got which is the 8 to 18 and it goes from 2.8 to 4 and so 8 is pretty wide so it got nice nice wide shots overall good not not bad um on that lens it's nice to have that zoom. The only thing I kind of missed was uh, image stabilization. So, you, so even with that wideness, you still have to remain stable. 
And you're you're trying this on the black magic, is that correct? Yes, yes. I'm pretty much doing everything on the black magic now. Okay. Although they would be compatible with the GH5s that I have as well. Right. But yeah, I'm just kind of p- putting this camera through its paces just because it's enjoyable and the image quality is great and you get this kind of instant feedback from the great LCD on the back. Right. Um, so I tried that. Um, tried the other Panasonic I had, which is the Leica 42.5, and that's a 1.2, so that's pretty super fast too. And that's an interesting lens because it's a power OIS, so it does have stabilization in it. I wish the wide one had stabilization because that, to me, is more useful um, because I don't know if I'm going to be using an 85 equivalent thing unless I'm on a tripod necessarily, mm-hmm. but, but it's an interesting concept. Um, again, super sharp and amazingly fast and light sensitive for what it does. And then I got the 12 millimeter 1.4, which is kind of like the equivalent of 24 millimeter, which is fairly wide, um, fairly wide angle. And yep. this one's really fast. Yep. So that one's beautiful as well. All, all beautiful lenses, kind of clinical, you know, kind of on, and especially the black magic cause it's so, much detail and so clean um, that they tend to be a little bit clinical. Mm. So one thing, <clears throat> one thing I was looking at into getting into is uh, getting a filter. There are these filters that have been used for years called um, ProMist filters. I don't know if you've heard of them or not. I've not heard of that ProMist filters. Yeah, they're they're kind of famous. They're um, they're basically like putting a, a, a nylons over your lens. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, because I could, I mean. I think there's actually more to it than that, but that would be the equivalent of it. And so, uh, but they're professional filters. I think there's something a little bit more techie involved in what, what they actually use as a material. I think it's something at more at a molecular level, but it's basically like a, like a fine grid somehow, and it scatters and absorbs light in a certain way that makes the image a bit softer. So it's kind of like messing up the image a little bit. It's making it less perfect. I'm, lo- I'm I'm looking at it right now, and it's very. And for those who are unaware, like I was, yeah. it's very much like a like any other type of uh, filter, like an ND filter or something like that. They, they they seem to be just these filters that get on that just maybe just soften your your subject a little bit more. Would you say? Yeah, they soften it, but not necessarily. But not degrading the 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 image at all. Um. I guess technically they degrade it a little bit. Maybe your your sharpness um, evaluation, like if you had a chart and you put these filters on, they might might not perform quite as well, but not not seriously. It's not like smearing Vaseline over a lens, your right. lens or right. when your backup camera and your car has a has some water from the rain on it, and you can't see anything. It's not quite that bad. <laughs> I, I, I I do see I do see some examples. It's kind of like like for like maybe photos in extreme sunlight. It kind of adds maybe a little glow or a little. Yes. Uh, I don't know ha- that kind of like dreamy ha- that dreaminess to it. Right. It kind of they they call it halation. Okay. Um, like halos. Right. So over over highlights, it makes a little bit of um, kind of like a glow. And which is actually the product of of not so good lenses, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like like when like yeah like when you evaluate lenses, when the technical um, people that evaluate lenses do that, they they mark that mark a lens down for that, <laughs> right? But um, yeah, but sometimes um, and that's the thing with with just like 4K in general and really sharp sensors these days, is that um, sometimes the sharpness makes things look worse. Which is kind of weird, huh? It seems like you'd want it to be sharper to look better, right? Exactly. But, 
Yeah, but but there's that kind of like video, like it looks like video, and right. and and, yeah. it's, and it's too clean. It's too clean. Yeah, it's too clean. There's too much detail, mm. and I think part of it is that the detail is um, it has a certain character to it. So the pro mist will take some of that detail and and smudge it a little bit and make the highlights react a little differently. Um, I think it's mostly working on highlights. So it'll soften highlights. It'll even out faces. It'll it'll maybe slightly blur detail to the point where the lens doesn't look so clinical. And so I was kind of considering these and I, I actually have never really used them, but I've read a lot about them and I'm going to order a few for these, these clinical, um, like a badged, uh, Panasonic lenses. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'll let you know like how that comes out. But in the meantime, just in my quest for, um, maybe a more filmic look with the black magic. Cause that's the whole point is to get the filmic look with the black magic cinema camera. If I just want to get video, I'll use the GH fives. You know, it's just if I don't care so much about the filmic look, I'll just, you know, the GH fives are just really nice anyway. And you know, it's just that subtle difference between the two, you know? So, um, so what I also did was I got some, some non Panasonic lenses as well. Actually, I got one, I got I ordered one other Panasonic lens, which is the version two of the twelve to thirty five. So I have the original version one. Oh, okay. And it's good, um, but apparently the version two is even better in a lot of ways. It it allows you to and this this is one that actually will really match up with the GH fives. It allows you to use the the IS um in conjunction with the the in body stabilization better. So they kind of sync up better. I've heard about that. I've heard that the version twos just work better with, uh, of course, the GH5, GH5S electronics yeah. a lot better. Yeah, it's just they they kind of um, go hand the stabilization of the lens, the optical stabilization of the lens works m more cooperatively with the in-body sensor stabilization. Um, but not, I didn't get it just for that. I also got it for the fact that it's supposed to be a little bit better lens in many ways and also the stabilization in the lens is even better so if you don't if you're using it on a non-gh5 micro fourth it's like the black magic the stabilization is better so i feel like that lens plus a pro mist and different varieties of pro mist is probably going to be a really good s solution for the black magic to get it to look filmic and st stable right which is important for handheld but i also got a few other uh, manual lenses um like basically they're fully manual they have manual focus. There's no autofocus. Um, they also have um, a ring for the aperture. That's for the most part declicked because some of these are cinema kind of cinema style lenses. Um, so I'll just kind of go through the list. So <clears throat> the two really cinema style lenses are SLR Magic. This is the pretty famous SLR Magic lens called the uh, 10 millimeter T 2.1 Hyper Prime. And so 10 millimeters is pretty wide. So it's the equivalent of like a 20. Yeah, that's on. really wide. Yeah. So it's fairly wide lens. It's kind of big and heavy, actually. I mean, it's not as big and heavy as like a, you know, is necessarily like a 24 millimeter full frame, mm. but, or even a 20 millimeter full frame, but it is a 2.1. So it's pretty fast. Um, I don't know if you can look that up and, and check that out, but it's got a couple. This um, is the 10 millimeter that you're yeah. Is it a 2.1? Yes. Yeah, I see that here. That's not a yeah. bad price, five fifteen right now. Yeah, I don't know where you're looking at it. I'm, I'm looking I'm, on, on Amazon. So yeah, there's a, there's a really probably even better price somewhere, but 
Yeah, on B and H, it's a really good deal right now. It's four forty nine. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons I ordered it. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's yeah. a, it's a nice looking lens. Yeah, it looks really nice. It feels super solid when you feel. It's like a big chunk of metal and glass. It's just very very solid. Is it heavy? It's you know for its size, it's heavy. It's very dense. It's kind of yeah. like picking up a you know brick of metal. Yeah. Um, but um, a lot of people use this. It's really wide. Um, good light sensitivity. I mean, two point one's not you know that great but it's pretty good for a, uh, such a wide lens right the thing is the most of the time is when you start getting wider um on lenses it's really hard to get them to be super fast so it's it's hard to get you know like a you know like a 0. 0.9520 it would it would be huge i mean a 0. 0.9510 it would be huge you know and heavy and expensive right so so we're starting to push the limits at 10 millimeter and 2.1 so um i've seen a lot of images from it, it looks really nice kind of nice a little bit less clinical than the than the others probably not as technically good a lens as some of the expensive panasonics but um you know maybe that's what i need to get the less of the clinical look which i'm trying to get around right um and then another one i ordered was also on sale was the slr magic 25 millimeter so slr magic 25 mil yeah and that's a 0.95 so it's super fast. Oh yeah, I see that. Oh yeah, that looks that looks nice. Yeah. So that's and that that's also a oh, really that, good deal. Oh, and that's a good price right there. Yeah. You know, I I was going to throw in there, you know, uh from a actually I'm going to say about a couple of years ago, uh Reikonons. Yes. Remember where those those were really super hot when uh, yes. uh, uh and I want to say back in the GH maybe even 3 days. It, when it was out there, uh, oh, yeah, they've been around forever. They've they, been around like ten and, years, and they have like you know they were big on these point nine fives, which were which were like cutting edge at that time, right? As far as these uh, you know fast primes and stuff. So uh-huh. this SLR Magic seems to be a much nicer price point for kind of that maybe same type of speed. Yeah. I think so. I think they're definitely competing in that area. The Rokinons are good too, and I could always adapt those. I have a bunch of those, and I have a few of the cinema ones that have gears and stuff on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, I'm, I'm not quite as excited about the Rokinons these days. I'm, oh, I'm, is that right? Really? Yeah. Um, I think they're still really awesome lenses for the price, you know. And I still have a full set, and I guess I'll use them once in a while. But um, they're they tend to be kind of um, kind of yellowish. I've noticed. Oh, okay. And, and you can it, you you can definitely color correct out of that, but they're just like, definitely not as neutral as some of the other lenses. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just exploring other brands and other other levels, and I'll talk about that a little bit more once I finish with these the set of these micro four thirds that I got. So, anyway, this one's um, 0.95, so I just tried it out, and it's kind of amazing the amount of shallow depth of field you can get with it. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. So that that is the fastest native lens i have and and, and, uh, and it just happens right out of the box right no speed yep. booster it's nice it just it just yeah. clips right on and here you are shallow depth of field yeah and i days. may exactly yeah. I, and i do have the 1.4 panasonic 25 or 24 it's pretty similar um but i'm almost thinking maybe i'm not i'm gonna keep this one and and trade in the panasonic because or return the panasonic because I feel like this one maybe is is better for me for the situation because mm. basically 25 millimeter that's like 50 millimeter so that's a very standard 
like uh, focal length, right? Kind of like street photography or semi-close-ups. Right. It's not telephoto, but it's not wide. It's more like what what our vision looks like. So I see that lens being used a lot um, in the in certain situations, like maybe even documentary and stuff like that. So, um, but I I may like the look a little bit better. I'm gonna have to evaluate them more side by side and see. It's also a little bit smaller. It's pretty teeny. So still very dense, but it's quite teeny. So the SLRs, um, it, uh, the SLR uh, magic. magics look mm-hmm. like they're trying to contain these lenses, and uh, it looks like a nice size. Looks like it doesn't, you know, it, it, like it's not hard to to pack with you in a in in you know as far as your gear goes. Looks like it just slips in a bag quite nicely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I could see using these lenses as well on the GH fives because. Mm. then you can get maybe that running gun thing because they've got the stabilized sensor, but then right. you get these teeny little lenses which pack really small. Yeah. So you can fit more of them in your in your bag. Right. So, yeah, so that's a possibility. I'm going to have to evaluate the look, but I'm I'm kind of still in that stage. What else did I get? Um, going Kind of going for the whitish side. So I got the Venus Optics Lawa 7.5 millimeter, and that's a F2. And that lens is. Is it what was that? Was that length seven point uh, five? It's, it, said it's the uh, Lawa L A O W A. Uh huh. Seven point five. I got millimeter. it. Yep. Yeah. I got it. <clears throat> Ooh, yeah, that's a nice one. I like the way yeah, that looks. Yeah, and that one is super teeny. It is really teeny. And uh, you know, it's just and that's wide. That is wide. That's going to be like a fifteen millimeter. Yeah, it's right? a fifty I mean, millimeter. At, at, yeah, at seven point five, we yeah. we do the micro four thirds, times that by two. You got a, about a fifteen millimeter. That is wide. That is really wide. Yeah. And on, on the GH five and probably the on the Black Magic Pocket, it's probably even wider because those sensors are a little bit bigger than micro four thirds. So mm, okay. you could even yeah. I I I put this on and I actually really liked it. I really liked it because it was very um, it was very linear. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of that fisheye look, which right. I hate about wide lenses sometimes. Right, there's, exactly. There's very, it gives that distortion and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was just like, when I put it on, I went, wow. And I was just, it popped out as being different than the other lenses I've been trying, even the little viewfinder and the Blackmagic. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in that one and in, in maybe keeping that one because I think that's useful. Having, you know, a lot of my lenses are going to be like set in the the way these black magics are probably going to work or even the gh 5s i'm going to just set them and have them record like an overview right and it's nice to have a really sharp uh non-distorted overview shot that you can manipulate and maybe zoom in a little bit in different areas if you need to so um, well, let, let's revisit that real quick let's divert sure. just a moment here and you know you the way you keith like to use your cameras is you like to use the a and a b camera for for most situations uh so i know sometimes you'll use it you'll use a c camera but for the most part i think it's a and b so the black magic cinema camera 4k do you plan to use that as your establishing wide shot for the most part, or will that still be left to the GH5? Uh, I think it depends on the material. I think if I want to go for the highest quality, I would I would use the the Black Magic. Okay, and, and just and, have you, a, and use two of those, and and uh, or or just use the Black Magic as the full wide establishing shot, and just let that go. 
Yeah, just have that going all the time as on a wide, just have it continually recording. Um, have it set up with a good battery system and mm-hmm. and and lots of SSD. So Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. And have it just going maybe, you know, depending on the situation. Uh if it's going really, really long, then I might choose a different solution. Uh, maybe choose a different codec possibly. But um yeah. If I want the best quality I'll use that. And then I might use might might use the uh, my second one as the A camera or might use my C two hundred as the mm-hmm. A camera. Right. So because just simply because the C two hundred looks really good, but it also has um really good autofocus. Mm. And sometimes you need that as your A camera depending on what you're doing. Right. If I have a lot of time and also has built in built in NDs, so I'm in a situation where I need to adjust quickly to the lighting situation without putting variable NDs, which are kind of just a pain anyway to use. Um I might just, just go with C two hundred. So, I haven't been in that many situations where I've kind of had to decide what to use. But I'm planning to do that pretty soon. Next week, I'm going to do a shoot, and I think I'm going to try that setup. Great, uh, Keith. Thank you very much for that. Uh huh. We greatly appreciate it, and uh, we will await uh, more details uh, as you try them out on uh, on actual jobs. And uh-huh. uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how they uh, how it actually pans out. Okay. All right. We'll do. Fantastic. All right, All right. folks. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with more right here on Tech Move. Welcome back to Tech Move, Rod Louis Keith Moreau yep. on a fantastic Black Magic Cinema Camera 4K Extravaganza, what it's turning out to be. <laughs> and uh, Keith, uh, I know for a fact, because I'm looking at a picture right now, of what has to be, well, uh, you know, I can't even count that high. <laughs> How many different lenses that you've obtained, uh, maybe since even the last time we spoke? And if I am correct, not only are they just different lenses that I think you're going to be using for mostly the uh, Blackmagic camera or Blackmagic, uh, but I think these are also what we would consider vintage glass uh, yes. Would you like to speak about that? Yes. So I got a little bit turned on to this glass by uh, reading through some of the Blackmagic Pocket 4K posts. And the people were kind of complaining that it was a little bit too clean of a look um, for cinematic use. Like when they used modern glass, like Canon L series or like the Sigma, that things were just too sharp and, you know, not a, not as soft and filmic as you could possibly get, which we've me. talked about endlessly on this podcast before. Yes, yes. Yeah, there was one in particular that I really it struck me as being very filmic, more more so even than some of the other ones. And so this guy, uh, he he makes like K-pop videos, okay, <laughs> which is really yeah. I don't even. I guess it's like some 
Oh, it, 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 it's an entire culture. It's an yeah. entire culture. It's huge. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely huge, of which I am a former star myself. So, oh, really? Uh, well, no, actually not. But, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it, it's just Asian boy band. That's just okay. Think, just think of it as that. It's just Asian boy band then, or a girl band, or a girl, right? right yeah, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Because yes. because I almost all of these were girls. So. Oh really? Oh wow. Yeah. Of oh. This particular uh, video videographer okay. director. Okay. Anyway, so he talked about what he did, and a lot and a lot of people noted that he um, that the look he got was just amazingly filmic. Like, how did you get this filmic look? Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, well, I just I use vintage lenses because if I use." new lenses on it, it looks too sharp and clinical. Mm. It's not it's more videoish. So he actually specified what kind of lenses he uses. Could we could we kind of equate this as like when a digital sound recording came out versus analog and how some people just hated the sterileness of digital recording? I think so. I think it might even be more like um video versus film. Yeah, that's yeah. true too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, kind of. It's all the same thing. It's like analog versus digital. And, yeah. And and when you get when you start getting to be to get to be really accurate, clean sensors that don't have a lot of, I don't know, character on their own, maybe. Um, yeah. Then you start getting into the thing. Well, it's too clean. It's too uh, too sharp. Too antiseptic. And then so how do you dirty it up? Do you put a bunch of filters on afterwards and kind of grunge it up? Which I've done. A lot of times, you know, Were, a, weren't you also doing that in post production as well? Yeah, I, I was using, um, I was using, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's a plugin that that adds film grain. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll have to put it in the show notes. But um, sorry, whoever you guys are that do it, you produce <laughs> a great product. Really, it's a really good. It actually, and you could choose all these different different film stocks, and it does LUTs and stuff. It just just escapes my mind at the moment, but. Um, yeah, so I've done that to grunge stuff up, but um, and it's and it's okay. But then you then it kind of does really look like film, and maybe I don't want that look. You know, <laughs> maybe I want something in between. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I I, I just kind of got on. You know, I kind of get on these jags where I just get really excited about something, and just kind of really delve into it and just learn all about it for yep. you know for a couple of days, and then I get tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> After I've bought thousands of dollars of stuff, and then, right? Like the back, like the Black Magic Cinema Camera, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So that's what I did with this. So, but I got on this really jag, and I got really. And the thing that was kind of cool about it was that. So I'll just give you a little history of of just kind of like cinema glass. So um, obviously, there's some really expensive cinema glass out there. That, like you can get cook, cooks and and you know pan, pan, pana pana vision and 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 a, a slew of of really expensive glass you know like hundreds of thousands of dollars per lens potentially you know or at least like maybe like a two hundred thousand dollar lens or something so you can you know basically cost cost a house if you want to buy it usually they're rented but they're still expensive to rent so one of the you know one of the popular rentals is is a uh, zeiss um so zeiss is a super famous german manufacturer they started i think in the 20s 30s and they're still around today and uh but but in the 70s and 80s and 90s they produced these um these cinema lenses for and they still produce them now they they still produce cinema lenses but they had this line of um of of glass and one and one set of them was called super speeds 
so super speed meaning they had bigger apertures and so they could they could film in uh, lower light conditions which is always an issue with film if you're in the cinematography like the pro cinematography arena sometimes you'll be able to rent zeiss super speeds mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or standard speeds though mm -hmm. there's like a term for them and a lot of people like them because of their look well those same standard speeds are super speeds in the cinema lens with pl mounts and all the special cinematography stuff um all that all that you know extra stuff was kind of thrown out but the lens itself elements and all that were just incorporated into these these contacts lenses mm -hmm. of different different names so they have these weird German names, like the 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 wider lenses are called Distagon, and, and it has nothing to do with anything. They just call it Distagon, and then the the middle lenses are called Planars, okay. and then and then the the more telephoto lenses are called Sonars. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is weird. I just actually realized this, you know, and all it means is it's just kind of their range of lenses, like from whatever their their lowest range is like 18 millimeter to like 50 is or 35 is considered a distagon or something okay any anyway <laughs> so so i started looking into um contacts lenses and just zeiss lenses in general Z vintage zeiss lenses lenses that are no longer made mm -hmm, basically because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they have a whole line of lenses that are still made and they're really they're really nice and they're super expensive you may have heard of like the um the milvis line and the otis line I've heard of the Otis line. Yes. Yeah. The Otis's are like yep. $5,000. They're still lenses and they're $5,000. Yeah. They're, wow. they're like incredible lenses. Probably those would be even, even better in some ways than these contacts, but you can get these contacts for not that much. Mm -hmm. These lenses were used for film and they were usually had, had PL mounts and they were super, super expensive, you know, $50,000 for a lens, stuff like that. And there are a bunch of primes and there are a few zooms as well. So, um, but what I found out was that they were basically the same exact glass and the same coatings as a series of still lenses that they also produced for their SLR at the time. Mm, okay. So, um, so Zeiss manufactured a SLR called the Contacts, spelled C-O-N-T-A-X. And this was around for decades. I think maybe from the 60s to the mid-90s or early 2000s. I think they might have stopped manufacturing like 10 years ago. But anyway, so that means the glass they ma they manufactured was also during that era. And they're mostly manufactured in Germany, although they had a uh, factory in Japan as well. So they're either made in Germany or Japan. Uh, and you can, I think you can tell the differences between them. There's slightly different serial number ranges and things. And anyway, so so basically then you could get the same exact glass that was on these super expensive uh, cinema lenses, but in a still lens. And and these lenses are now all used, so they're all on eBay and they're all over the place of varying um, varying qualities and condition. So I just started looking at them, and some of them are not that expensive. So for example, um, I got a fifty uh, millimeter one point four for like two hundred dollars, and it's in really great shape. Well, that doesn't sound bad at all. Yeah. So uh, the most expensive one I got, I think, was like was the what's called the Hollywood it's a super famous one it's the it's the 28 millimeter f2 um and that's called the Hollywood because it it emulates a really really popular uh, lens of the super speeds mm. the 28 millimeter and um that one I think I mean normally those go for like $1,500 and I think I got it for the same reason I don't know why but I got it for like $800 and it was in really good shape mm-hmm 
So, um, but they're very, I think that was the most expensive ones. And the, re- the rest of them are like three, four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, stuff like that. So not, not super expensive for a bunch of pretty fast prime lenses. And the thing that's really cool is this, the, the contacts mount on there can be easily adapted to EF or other uh, mounts. Mm. So, so you buy these really cheap, you can buy these really cheap kind of shim adapters Kind of similar to the ones that you probably have for your cameras, right? Right. Like the Nikon to EF yep, and so exactly. On. Yep. Yeah. Very, very thin little rings that yeah. that'll work. Yeah. yeah. And those mm-hmm. and they and luckily they they work really well. The contacts to EF works really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a shim, a very thin shim, kind of like the. Yep. It's almost similar to the Nikon to EF. Yep. And and yeah, so I can just put those on those, and I can even put those on speed boosters, and I, I can even put those on. Uh, potentially a speed booster going to micro four thirds. Mm. So that'll fit really well on the, on the black magic. So, so yeah, so I did that. I bet they look spectacular though on the C200. They, they look pretty good. They're, they're actually really good lenses. Yeah. They're, they're like as good as L glass, mm-hmm. but they have different characteristics. Um, L glass, I'm talking about Canon L glass, which is really high end and super sharp is a bit antiseptic. It's it's really clean and nice and lo- very contrasty, meaning it gets really, really, really good deep blacks and and then a lot of good highlights too, mm-hmm. but can be a little bit little antiseptic um, and very modern looking. Um, the the Zeiss is more, a little more vintage look. It has a little bit lower contrast, so the the blacks aren't quite as deep black, and, and the highlights are rolled off a little bit nicer. So that kind of combination actually really complements uh, something that's as clean as the Blackmagic 4K uh, really well. Blackmagic Pocket 4K really well. So, um, yeah. So as you can see from the photo that I sent you, Rod, I've also gotten some special caps. Um, One of the things about... Which I love. Yeah. So um, there are two companies that I dealt with that... There's a bunch of companies you can can find. Um, Some of them are more or less expensive than others. Um, I actually found a couple that I thought were pretty good deals, but still not cheap. You know, these caps. So what you want to do ideally is you want, if you're going to be using like a, a matte box, like, like you can get a clamp on matte box and put filters in them or mm-hmm. just use them for shielding. Right. Um, 80 millimeters is a really good diameter for a clamp on matte box. There's a bunch of them in that, in that range. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is you want to adapt, have a, have a adapter that converts the filter from the front diameter to 80 millimeters. That way you can just use the same. Uh, matte box on everything. Oh, okay. And and so uh, this company called uh, SimMod, it's actually, um, it was started by this guy named Ron Sim, who's actually a cinematographer, and um, he seems like a really nice person. Uh, he, make, he makes the rings that screw onto the front threads of these different lenses. They're varying sizes. A lot of them are the same, but there's a couple of variances. And then the outer diameter is this 80 millimeter um, so that you can put a cap on it. Or put a clamp clamp on a, a matte box. And then he also makes these really cool just push on caps. And then he also makes these really good really cool labels for the caps. So Which is what I really like. I yeah. like I like that part. It's actually really cool. I think that pretty much all lenses should have these labels. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh it basically the label has the the millimeter and really big numbers and then the, the brand contact size and then it has the uh, aperture, the the maximum aperture, and also the minimal focal focal distance, which is pretty cool in in meters as well as feet. 
so. of, of course you could do that with like a label maker in a lens cap but these actually yes. look they these actually look very nice they look like keurig uh coffee capsules now <laughs> with with labels on them and talking about their intensity of like caffeine or something looks really good Cool. Keith will uh, post a picture of that on the uh, on the website, so you'll see what I mean, folks. So yeah, yeah. So and then I also color coded them. You you can kind of customize when you order from from some mod. Uh, you can you can decide which color you want them. So I made all the the super speeds black. Oh, so okay. you notice there you go. Yes. Yep. So those mm -hmm. are the ones that are faster. Mm -hmm. And then I made the zooms gold. So the ones that are gold are zooms. So I know that those are. And then uh, I made the regular speeds. Um, blue, mm -hmm. the ones that yep. that are like f two point eight or higher. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So, because the 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 regular speeds are actually um, have a lot of good quality too. And I may wind up might might wind up getting those because um, I heard that they are in fact sharper when they're even though they're not as fast. Uh, like if you like for example, if you got the f one point four and one of these f one point four is like the thirty five one point four and you stopped it down to two eight it'd still be less sharp than the the native two eight one oh okay, and the two eight one is cheaper and smaller and lighter hmm. so there's some advantages like if you really don't need the light like if you're outside and you really don't need the shallow depth of field or you're going really wide and you don't need that blurry background as much um then you might might want to use that one so i I may also get a get some of those as well just for increased versatility so that's my latest you know contacts jag there's a few little complications with them the the contacts the back of them yeah they have this little lever like you know like on the nikon lenses they have this little lever in the back like yes where you and it, and it kind of moves up and down that controls the aperture i think yeah um well that's the same thing on the the, the contacts so what was kind of annoying was i put the regular uh shim to ef contacts to ef adapter on that so it would theoretically just go into a ef mount and then i put the uh ef to micro four thirds speed booster on that and then i put one on i was noticing hmm how come the aperture is not being adjustable now like i'd move the aperture ring and nothing would happen and it turns out that the little this little tab that controls the aperture sticks out far enough where when you put the speed booster on it mm -hmm. it actually hits the speed booster part of it and it just makes a snag so oh. you can't yeah so you can't so the ring then on the outside of the lens does not control the aperture anymore mm -hmm. so i have to uh some people on the internet said you could grind them off yikes uh yeah that seems pretty extreme yeah and i really don't want to necessarily damage my lens but at the same time well are these useful at all with this little aperture ring, no. Right. Aperture tab, no. So I'm thinking, eh, that might be the best choice. Some people just cut them off. Yeah. Like they just use a wire clipper and just go chip. Right. And it comes off. So I might just do that because that seems like it's the less dirty method. Yeah. But somehow I'm going to have to get these little aperture tabs out because I really want to use these with the speed boosters because I think that's going to make them even faster mm -hmm. and more yeah. versatile. And, yeah. and I'm sure it'll look pretty good. Yeah. I've, I've kind of used them in, in different ways. There's, there is a, there's a, a speed booster that's meant for contacts lenses that Metabones produces, and I actually have that as well. I bought that. It's a contacts context to um, Micro Four Thirds uh, speed booster, and it works really well. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so how many new lenses did you get? I got, well, there's, there's nine here of yeah. the contacts variety. Okay. And 
and then I will, and I got a couple others that aren't contacts, but they're also vintage. There's one that's called the Helios. Okay. Uh, you may have heard of it, maybe not, but it's a, it's a vintage um, Russian lens. So the Russians, when they invaded Germany, they, they stole a lot of the lens uh, scientists. Oh, is that <laughs> right? I, I would believe that. Yeah. So, so a lot of that lens technology went to the Russians, and then they started producing some really awesome lenses. Really cheap ones. Uh, those darn guys. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I got a couple of Russian lenses. One is, um, I think it's 44 millimeter, okay. the Helios. It's very famous Helios lens. And I got that. I haven't tried it out, but supposedly that has a similar kind of like vintage feel to it. And that was really cheap. That was like 100 bucks maybe. Okay. So And it, ar- it already came with an EF adapter on it. So it Oh, that's nice. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's real nice. So, but yeah, so that's kind of the new crop of vintage lenses. So we'll see. And I think I could probably rent these out too. You know, once I get them all tricked out, right? I could, if I wanted to, to rent them to people and not just use them. I'm kind of considering starting to rent some of my gear. Yeah, that might that might be a good thing. Now, yeah. uh, uh, you, I, I guess it kind of depends on the project that you're going to do, uh, whether or not you would use these vintage lenses for that kind of vintage look. Would that be correct? Yes. That is that is correct. I don't think I'm going to use it for everything. Yeah. Um, I think, because, you know, they're not autofocus. Yeah, everything is manual. That's what I was going to ask, too. The, everything is yeah. manual on these. Has to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be more like a studio yeah. interview situation or kind of like a set studio situation. Right. Although I could probably, you know, I could run and gun with these, too. And that's that's the whole thing about the using the black magic. It's, it's all pretty manual anyway, mm-hmm. you know. You can't really get much out of it uh, from the autofocus point of view. So, in a way, that's why getting these lenses makes sense for that particular camera. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't so much for a Canon camera with really good autofocus. But, but still, yeah, I, I, I find them to be. It's a pretty inexpensive foray into this vintage manual lens arena. And do you think that with these particular lenses, you would pretty much cover the gamut? of anything that you would need vintage look-wise? Um, probably not. You notice that the widest one is only 28. Yeah. Um, and that's just because the the wider ones are really expensive and they're still not even that wide. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking that I might just use this. Some people have had really good luck using the Sigma 18 to 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the one that we all use. Yep. And just putting um, some special filtering on it. Oh, okay. uh, put, putting some um, what's called the the uh, pr- black pro mist filters. Oh, which okay. can add a vin- vintage look. Yeah, and so I got a I got a couple of those just to see how those would look with that too. And, and you haven't tested it yet, so you don't know if they're any good or not. Um, don't know of that. Are you talking about these new the, the, these the, vintage? Uh, uh, the the filters. Oh, the filters haven't looked, but I've heard that they were really good. There's. A lot of my information is coming from this really awesome um, thread. That's I'm just gonna look it up here. Uh, it's a it's a forum thread. It's it's like eight years old yeah. and it's still going. Yeah. Oh wow. Because <laughs> okay. yeah. Let me just um, I'm just gonna quickly look at this thread. It's called the Zeiss. Yeah, contact Zeiss survival guide. <laughs> I like. <it. laughs> and it's okay. and it and it's and it was started um, on the Red user forum. Red oh, okay. user forum is awesome for all kinds of information, not just about reds, mm-hmm. but um, but back at that time, reds were starting to become really popular, and people were wanting to, to you know, de-antiseptize their 
their their reds because they were, had that issue of them being too clean. Right. Um, and then so this one guy who is who is an aficionado of these contact lenses kind of started this thread, and it's it's basically. It started, I think, in 2011 or 2010, and it's got 452 posts, and there's still posts like to this very day, like today, or the third by the 13th was the last post, and there's people um, still posting. <laughs> oh wow, wow, <laughs> yeah. So, so the history so it, on that thing is incredible. It's incredible, and I actually, it was one of the things that I've read every single post from the beginning. <laughs> so, and now now I'm done, and I feel empty. <laughs> right so so why don't you get on there and start causing more trouble and say should, hey man how do i fix this stupid battery problem with the <laughs> with the tongue depressors and a, and a stick of gum how do i, I do that is, i know this is has nothing to do with the red cameras That's or right. contacts but but here's my problem i'm running out of tongue depressors <laughs> call rod call rod That's he's cornering the market Oh, one thing I've one thing I forgot to mention um, was the gears as well. So, the cinema lenses uh, traditionally have this these gears, at least for the focus, mm -hmm. if not for the focus and the aperture. Mm -hmm. And so, I found a really good source for gears of all kinds of lenses, but um, it's called followfocusgears.com. And the owner of that, his name is Sean. I think he used to design helicopter parts because his his name his 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 handle is like helicopter sean or something like that okay but <laughs> good deduction but I, but I think he does the 3d printing or, or something and he was he used to make helicopter parts or maybe still does and he, now he's made all these 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 different diameter um gears and so these are the things where you can put a follow focus mechanism into your camera and then you can either use like now they have wireless ones that work really really well or you can just a manual hand one mm -hmm. and that allows you to really repeat movements and then just focus very precisely. The mm -hmm. thing too about these vintage manual stills glass is there's the 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 focus travel is really long, way longer than modern lenses. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's it's a good thing because you can focus more precisely. Yeah. Um and the only reason it would be a bad thing, I don't think there's a reason why it would be a bad thing, except maybe if you were focusing from really, really close to really, really far and you need right. to do it qu quickly. Right. But I don't think that comes up too long, often. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's another uh, a little add-on. You may have seen those in the picture. You probably saw those gears I put on. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And those are pretty easy to put on and and they just kind of kind of tightly fit and they don't move. Looks so, good, yeah. yeah it, so, it, it looks good. That's a nice little collection there of uh, of vintage thanks. lenses. Thanks. And, and, should... and, I, and I do see like you already have Metabones on a couple of them already. So, oh yeah, I Re think I forgot to take one of them yeah, off. Probably ready to go at, at any time. So, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what it looks like uh, um, when, when, once once you get it on and uh, and start shooting I'll, with it for for I'll a project. Yeah, all rigged out and yep. ready to go. Yep, that'll be interesting. It's fascinating because there are people that are just like totally gaga over these lenses. Mm -hmm. Like when they get them, they've had all these expensive lenses, you know, like Canons and other expensive glass, but they just go gaga over these particular lenses. And there is a reason for that, actually. Um, the reason is that they have a way of, different lenses have different ways of handling light. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just a direct, like straight shot to the sensor there's a bunch of stuff that happens mm -hmm. and it depends on the coatings inside the lens also the glass itself and even the way the number of elements and how the light is redirected 
inside the lens and eventually gets to the sensor. Mm. And there's something about these lenses that makes the contrast, makes them very, very sharp, so that they're, they're not blurry, they're sharp, but makes the um, highlights very soft. Mm. It's almost like that, that diffusion, that, that pro-mist thing, right. b- but inside the lens. And probably at a much higher level, probably less less um, degradation mm-hmm. going on, and and so you can actually get, put these super speeds on or these these Zeiss lenses, like cinematographers will say, yeah, if I want to be able to you know capture more highlights and not have them blown out, I'll put these these Zeiss lenses on. You know, I'll just make sure that I rent the set of Zeiss lenses right. because that's what I want, and then they get actually more dynamic range. So that's really amazing that a lens could actually do that give you more dynamic range yeah w- 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 with without any adapters or anything yeah like that. yeah without anything extra without yep. different sensors just on any sensor yeah that is it. pretty cool yeah so it's kind of an intriguing idea i'm going to see if it actually pans out in reality or if it's just you know <laughs> if like, it's all marketing hype or you know. yeah or just imagination of these fanboys <laughs> but <laughs> which, which could happen right sure people get really excited about something and they notice Maybe even make it up. It's like a, the placebo effect, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll see if I I totally on board with the placebo or not, right? I I will stay uh, a skeptical, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's what you always get here when you're with Tech Move is the skeptical <laughs> ideas that we have or. Not falling into anything too much. That's that's what we try to subscribe to. Even though yeah. I myself have fallen for plenty of stupid things. So don't fall for it. Right. Don't fall for it. It's a trick. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I've I've fallen for it plenty of times. So that's that's good. All right. Yeah. Good. 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 All good. right. Excellent. Uh, that's our little uh, update on vintage lenses and why you'd want to use some. So uh, very good, Keith. We will uh, take another break. And okay. we'll come back with more of this uh, Blackmagic Cinema Camera 4K extravaganza. Maybe we might delve into a couple other things. But for the most part, that seems to be what the uh, podcast has been about this particular episode. So anyway, hey, Rod and Keith will be right back uh, with more on Tech Move. We'll be right back. Well, we have a special update right now here on Tech Move. It's Rod Louie and Keith Moreau. And Keith is a little bit of time has elapsed since we talked about Keith uh, first getting the Blackmagic Cinema 4K. Uh, and he's had a little time to kind of experiment with it. So we thought it'd be good if we just included it in this episode. That'd be, you know, kind of make sense. So why wait to. For you guys to hear about it later on when we could just hear about it now. Keith, how about what you have learned now that you've had a little bit of time to mess around with this thing? Uh, one thing I've learned is um, don't get your uh, supposedly authentic Canon uh, LP-E6 batteries off of eBay oh, for a oh, discount. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh no, that's that's going to be a good one. 
I ordered eight. I ordered two two sets of four from two different authentic OEM batteries from Japan that were like twenty five thirty dollars each instead of fifty six dollar fifty or sixty dollars each. Okay. And I tried them out, and and then actually um, it was it was when I tried those out that I that I it caused a I think a, a kind of like a normal not not I don't think these batteries caused the problem necessarily in in the Blackmagic camera, but it exacerbated the problem of the stuck battery, which I'd never experienced before. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. So I think what happened, and we actually experienced this, um, I think it was on a shoot, it was a party that you and I were at together. Okay. And I was showing you the black magic, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, yeah. And then I said, okay, so this is the problem. I can't get my battery out. And <laughs> and because of that, I, 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 I couldn't shoot the thing. It was, it was dead. I couldn't take it out. I couldn't replace the battery. The battery ran out, and that was after about like, half an hour and that was it <laughs> no more black magic shoot so if you ever <laughs> so, so so we're not necessarily worried about battery life well we are because once that's it then that, that you can't go any further with it yes it's just a one shot pretty much you buy a black magic pocket 4k and you can use one battery in it and that's it so then you have to buy another one another 4k no <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway but so don't okay so first don't um don't buy your your authentic batteries from eBay for a discount. Um, it's really weird because after I got it and then and then I had this issue and so what I want how I wound up got getting this this fake battery out of my 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 camera is I actually took put some really strong double sided tape. Yeah, you know that kind of industrial kind that's yeah that takes like twenty pounds to remove. Right, and and I stuck it on there, and then I stuck uh, another battery because <laughs> it fit into the slot. Uh, as the other side of the double sided, and that was kind of like my handle right. to pull to pull the bad battery out, and that's right. how I did it. And it went and came out, and then I just tried it again, put it back in, and it stuck again. <laughs> so it did, and, I, and, and, I, and and that's because of these third party batteries. That's the only um, reason. No, because I put a different kind of. So I said, okay, I'm going to put a different kind of battery in because it must be these third party batteries that are. These these fake Canon batteries. It's because I I used a ton of third party batteries in in these in these Blackmagic cameras up up until then. Mm-hmm. It was only until I put this fake Canon battery in that it actually caused the problem. Mm. So they think they might have been slightly off, maybe more off than the regular third party batteries, and that's what exacerbated the problem. But I've also heard about people having this issue with regular Canon batteries too. So it's not. I don't think it's necessarily because I used the fake batteries. It's just kind of something that happens. Anyway, so when I put a re- like a, another third-party battery and even a Canon battery, like a, a one I got from a Canon camera that I knew was real, mm-hmm. uh, an old one, put that in, same thing. It just got stuck. So there's probably some piece of metal in there that's, I don't know why it's in there, like why black metal. So here's the, here's the meeting, here's the design meeting when they're, when they're planning how to design the, the 4K. Here's the, here's the meeting, like the boardroom. It's like, okay, uh, we're going to have our crack team on the sensor. Okay. Good. All right, you got that. We have a crack team on on the encoder. Okay, you got that. And wait a second. We don't have any more people. Uh, but we still have the battery port to design. Um, Rod, Rod Louie from Techmoo, he's available for the battery port. Let's get him. Let's get him to design this. Come on, Rod. You can do it. Rod is fantastic. He he can design a battery out of gum. I think they. I think he did design it out of he gum. Did. Probably stick. And Rodney would just like <laughs> plagiarize off the internet 
on some battery design and just go with it. That that kind of sounds like my kind of production meeting. I'll tell you that much. So ha- have have you taken any measurements at all to see like how off this thing is? If it's if it's really off, or is that even the problem? You know, I, I think it's maybe a little bit off because when I put it when I put this battery, well, let me see. I don't. Oh yeah, I, ha- I have the new EO- EOS R. That's my other Canon camera that I, the recent one, which we'll talk about later. But um, I, I, it seems smoother. You know, when you put any battery in there, even the third parties in there, it just seems smoother going in and out. Mm-hmm. But the the Pocket 4K has always seemed kind of like it sticks here and there. Like hmm. it, it comes out eventually, but there's things kind of in the way, more things in the way. So I think they they have these little metal tabs and things on the edge because you know if you look at one of these batteries there's all these little indentations and stuff on the side. Correct. Yep. It's, it's like, not little, like it's little, little molded things and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And they're like sharp edges and things. And I think what happened is they just got something off a little bit. Maybe there's some purpose for it, like sensors or things that allow, you know tell the camera that the battery's in there. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe they just didn't design them or they made them too sharp or something. And they catch, and then they catch and then they stick. And then they like a piece of metal bends, and then it never bends back, or something like that. Um, so, yeah. So after after deciding that this camera was toast, because basically every time I put a different battery in, it would not come out until I used the the uh, force method of the double sided tape. Um, I had to I had to contact Blackmagic and send it back. Oh, you did. So, you really? Yeah. So, so, so uh, okay. So. What if you ordered a, a battery from Black Magic? I'm sure oh, it would, would work. That was the one that stuck. Oh, no, they, interesting. Really? Yeah, no, that's the one you got directly from them. Yeah. Well, in fact, that's probably one of the crappier batteries that I have. <laughs> and everybody complains about it. They, it's, it's the one battery that doesn't even um, put up the percentage of the battery being used. Like all the other batteries, all the third-party batteries... You know, from Wasabi and STK and all these different brands that I have, plus the Canons, they always put the percentage up on the display of mm-hmm. what's left. Right. Which, which is another issue. I'm going to talk about that later. But, um, yeah. But, but the, <laughs> but the, but the, the great battery from Blackmagic, which seems to have a lot of capacity, but it doesn't have enough smarts in it to put up the percentage. It only puts up the voltage, or, or the not even the voltage, just puts up like a, a bar that shows how depleted it is, which is also not really accurate. So anyway, yeah. So I actually put, put their original battery back in when I sent it to them, and I, and I just told them it got stuck and that it was your battery, et cetera. I didn't tell them that I was using fake um, Canon batteries and right. void my warranty and stuff because really I don't think it's the issue. I think it's just a bad design issue. Um, rod. Um, (laughs) thanks you're you're very welcome well you know i i I was a bit hungry and half sleepy when i uh when i passed that off to the production team so that's that's all right that's all so yeah so the the battery getting stuck which is actually very prevalent i've seen many 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 reports of it on the internet Mm. so i think you just hit it wrong and it gets stuck so and then so I, the, but the the black magic supports really cool. I mean they're really really good and there's one local to us here like in San Jose or something. So so we I just sent it down there. Um they had it for a few weeks. I didn't rush them. Um I got it back like early this week, I think. Or oh, last okay. Week. All right. Yeah. So it didn't take them too long and I, and I asked them, so what'd you do? And they said, "Oh, we made a few adjustments to the battery compartment." They didn't go into specifics like 
So little oh, do you just, know that they got like a file and they just were start grinding away and all this kind of thing. It could have been. Could, could have been. been. I didn't I didn't really examine the battery compartment to see what like if there were metal shavings or right. you know, more gum added right. or removed. <laughs> <laughs> now now was this for your one camera or did you send back both? It didn't seem to happen to the other one yet. So I'm 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 praying that it's not Ah, uh, so 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 far so good on the on the other one. Yeah, so far so good on the other one. And that's really why in a way when you buy this camera mm. uh, this early on, you probably wanted to get two because if one gets stuck in this way or somehow fails, mm-hmm. which I feel like other things might fail on it because it's so cheap, um you might want to just get two. Mm. So or just, you know, be out, be out of a camera for a few weeks, a couple of weeks anyway. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, so that's the battery stuck thing, which is horrible, right? Um, another thing which is almost hor- almost as horrible is the fact that the battery, just in general, the battery, using the, the internal battery is kind of, kind of randomly bad because <laughs> even if you use... That's a, that sounds really helpful when, uh, <laughs> when, when you're on a paid gig and all this kind of, that sounds great. I would just basically say, if you have a fresh battery, what, no matter what kind of battery it is, don't use it for more than like 20 minutes. Just after 20 minutes has passed, just take put in a fresh battery because you never know when it's just going to shut off. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, I feel like it's unreliable. Um, the power, the power, and I think maybe they could improve this with firmware. Maybe they could just get a better algorithm for measuring how long the battery is going to last. But I feel like... Like I was actually caught, I had a kind of semi, not professional, but luckily I had another camera, GH5 available running at the same time, but I was kind of testing out the Blackmagic right. and just, you know, I'd have it running and just, I'd look away and then the, the battery died and I was recording in ProRes and so those files are gone, right? Oh no, really? Yeah. Yeah. Those files are just, just corrupted beyond, beyond repair. If you use, if you use raw, then it's recording a whole bunch of still images over and over, uh, one after the other, and 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 it'll just die. It'll maybe the last image it, it was recording while it died <clears throat> will um will be corrupted, but the rest of them previous to that will be fine. So actually, raw is more reliable in that way. The the regular raw, where it's a bunch of DNG images mm-hmm. in the sequence. Mm-hmm. But if you're recording ProRes, it's one ProRes, it's one large long file, and and it will just corrupt the whole file. So those are just gone. Wow, so, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. So that was just like made me just like hate the camera. So not hate the camera, but just hate the battery management. Um, I just feel like all these cameras, no matter what cameras they are, I think I even had had it have had it happen on the GH5, like an early firmware version. Mm-hmm. Like they should have some kind of built-in battery. Um, and I know this is possible because you know, like that's what a capacitor is in electronics. It's something that can hold a little bit of a charge. It does not not much. But it's not like a battery where there's some chemistry going on. It's more just like it has a bit of a charge to it so it can continue on and, and and do some functions before it completely shuts down. But I just think all these cameras should have some type of like backup battery in them, backup capacitor or some type of Right, like a UPS, that, some sort of UPS system of some sort. Yeah, yeah just, just a smaller battery that's always there, always being charged, and you could replace it maybe after every year or two. I know, actually, I know cameras have this. They have to because they have to have um, 
keep the settings and things like that. Right. So it has to be a little bit of yeah. well, some kind of trickle on batteries. Right. And and just enough to write finish writing the file before it dies. You know? And maybe give you like a big beep or something. Yeah. Like saying, You better replace the battery now, you know? Um I, I just don't understand why these pro- supposedly professional cinema cameras don't have a feature like that to just write uh, gracefully write the file, you know, before they before they die. <laughs> so, you know, like it's just I don't know I I don't know it's just it so I kind of feel like I I feel a little bit on edge just using the internal battery, um, and, and like I feel like I don't know I just I feel like uh. I could it could die at any moment unless it's a really fresh battery. How how are you going to work under those types of circumstances? There's no way you're going to work like that. I, I think that if I don't have my larger rig now, I, I actually sent you a photo of the kind of Franken rig that I right, created. Right. And so I don't know. I'm going to look at it. Maybe you can look at it with me. Yeah. While I talk about it. But um, yeah. So I actually sent you a photo of both. Both units side by side. Yep, um, looks great. Both my C my C two hundred on the left, kind of stripped down, no lens, and then the uh, pocket four K on the right, with the various things added to it to make it kind of functional. So it's got a half, it's got a small rig half cage on it. You can kind of see that. Yep, and then it's got a Samsung um, SSD, SSD on, on it, yep. which isn't isn't you know hundred percent necessary. Um, but the thing that on the left of that is the big battery that I added okay. to the side. Okay. And it's kind of ergonomic because it almost like it's almost like a handle, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't believe how much work it was to get that mounted properly so it wouldn't block anything and also um, be kind of functional and not be like a big wart sticking right. out of nowhere. Right. But anyway, I managed to get that in that, and so that's actually um, that's a that's a non kind of a non standard battery. It's it's meant for the bigger uh, Sony's, so the Sony like FS5 and, and I think the FS7 as well uses this BP U battery. Okay. And this is kind of a bigger one. I think it's a BP-U 60 or 90 size. Um, so it's, it's, and it's a 14.4 volt battery. So it's, it's a hefty battery. Whereas the regular NPF ones that everybody uses and are really cheap, those are only 8.4 volts or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so the solution is to get some kind of power supply that's hefty, 12 volts or more. So this battery is more than 12 volts. And then use the power in connector that goes into the side of the black magic. There's right. a special power in port. And, and, and is it on that port, side but. of the, the camera? Yeah, it's right there. Okay. It's right in, it's inside along with all the XLR and HDMI and USB and stuff. They're all in one place. All right. And so it's, and it sticks out a bit because the Weepu connector that they use, it's kind of long. So it sticks out like an inch from the side of the camera. So this one just barely clears it. You can kind of see where the battery is. It's just a little bit of space. Yep. So um, anyway, so, I kind of think that I'm going to have to have at least this thing set up if I don't want to have to worry about it. And, and actually, the, the thing that's cool about this is that if I need to change this battery or somehow the battery dies, you know, like I forget about it, right. the internal battery will actually take over. So that's in a way then the internal battery on, on this 4K is going to be actually be the backup for this big battery. Oh, wow. And, and then also it's also always charging the internal battery. So if I drain the internal battery down a little bit, um, but then I put the big battery, external battery on again, it's gonna can, it's gonna charge it back up, and it'll be ready for any failure of the big battery. So I kind of think having this externally powered solution is kind of a necessity 
with this camera. That's what I'm starting to think. It I, it really looks uh, like a like a great rig, though. It really looks terrific. Um, so I I like it very much, but it's kind of inconvenient for you or for our listeners out there that are just going to have to know that that it sounds like that's just what you're going to have to do. I think unless they can um, redesign the firmware to be a little bit uh, smarter about warning you or do something else, I think that it's just, yeah, I think it's something that I, I feel like if I go in a shoot, I might have to just always bring this extra battery thing. I might not need all, I might not need all the other stuff. Like I might not need the external monitor or the external hard drive. Yeah. But I think I'm going to just need this battery. And maybe I can make the, maybe I can slim down the battery by using a smaller one because mm-hmm. they do make smaller versions of this. They make, Sony makes uh, like half the size version. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit smaller and lighter. Um, I just got these because they're K-Star. They're a little bit cheaper than the Sony's. The Sony's are like, really expensive they're like two hundred dollars each or something it's crazy um these are more like 50 bucks each yeah so yeah yeah so i don't know i just feel like i have to protect myself if i'm going to use this camera you know what's funny is i think that i i think it's probably very safe to say if you didn't like what the final output was of the 4k camera you would have sent this thing back a long time ago and said see ya um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love the output. I love the fact that it can record in ProRes or raw and I, and I'm, and then when it comes up, comes out with the black magic raw, yeah. that compressed form of raw, that's just one file. I'm going to really, really love it because that's going to make it very, very versatile. In a way, I think the codec and everything is superior when, when that comes out, especially mm-hmm. it's going to be superior to the C200 mm-hmm. in, in that, in that way. It's going to be a little bit, I think it's going to be more compact um, easier to grade, um, and then you're going to be able to do it off of hard drives, you know, rather than have the CFast cards or other solutions like this thing called the the solid pod thing, which I got for my C200, mm. which I can talk about later. But yeah, um, you know, another thing too is the Blackmagic. It's 1,300 bucks. You know, it's like a throwaway kind of in a way, like a throwaway amount. So yeah. the fact that you can get this quality and you could even use it as a crash cam or, well, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd use it as that, but, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that I could just set up and set it and forget it, especially with this battery solution. So, so that's not, you know, I, I don't think I'd want to leave like my necessarily like C200, like lying around shooting for right. two hours. Right. But I'd, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd mind this too much, you know, right. Sitting, sitting around. So, but as you can see, I sent, I sent you. I'm going to probably send some ver- or put some version on the podcast photos too. I sent you a comparison of the size of the C200 stripped down. Well, not really stripped down. It's just without a lens, but it's got everything else. It's got the viewfinder. Uh, it's the one with the viewfinder, the C200, not the B. Um, so that's cool. And it's got the uh, it's got the LCD. Yep. It's like a three and three to four inch LCD. Yep. Fairly usable. Got a handle on it and. And then so I have that on the left, yep. and then on the right I have 
and I sent you a clearer version because I was trying to blur out all my mess in my room. Okay. That's why I used the portrait mode. On my, oh, all right. Got <laughs> on it. My iPhone. Yeah. But I sent you a clearer version. So you can kind of like look at the battery and stuff if you wanted. Yeah, that um, I can see quite nicely. And, and that and the uh, Black Magic has the uh, small HD monitor on it. And yep. Looks like a perfect size for for that camera. Even yeah, though you know the funny thing about it is that the the uh, Black Magic screen is not that much bigger or smaller than the small HD. It's exactly the same. It's a, they're both five inch. Yeah, it's, so it's, I think, it's just I, I I guess you just wanted to be able to do like self view or what wh- whatever angle you want to be able to. Unlike what you can do with the, uh, I think mostly stationary Black Magic uh, monitor. Right, right. It allows you to do yeah to 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 be able to see it without having it right in front of you. Right. You, yeah, can, you so, can have the articulating screen with the uh, small HD. Right, yep. right. And I was trying to get it so that I could also show you how the um, the EVF attachment went because that that particular monitor is when they were making the EVF attachment. They don't make it anymore. And and I kind of know why because after messing with it a bit, it's it's actually kind of impractical. Mm. But, um, but I still might want to try to use it. Um, and that's why I use that monitor as opposed to something else. But... Um, yeah, it's also it's just small and light, and it allows you to tilt tilt up and down. I have this kind of like slight friction tilt tilt head, right. which you can't really see, but it's a pretty cool um, small rig um, version of that that has a little bit of tension in it, so you don't have to use two hands to tighten it and loosen it. Um, it just kind of moves up and down with some tension. So, um, yeah, um, but I don't even need that either. You know, I, I I could I could just kind of minimize all that. Just have the like the little half cage and then the battery on the side, and it's still pretty compact. Yeah, it, so. it, it it looks like it would work out really really well. I mean, you know, the 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 small HD um, doesn't really take that much room. Not, not no, not really at all. So it it, it could no. work out just fine. Yeah, but but I guess what I the reason I sent you this photo comparing the two is that if you look at them, they're not that much different in size you're, you're right that's what that yeah. that's what i had mentioned to you they're they're actually pretty comparable i mean like yeah. if, if if you created a rig for the c200 you know w- w- without the you know essentially the the handle cage type of thing on the c200 it looks like it'd be about the same size as the black magic yeah yeah, I can, and I you can make this a little more compact because the Black Magic has some disadvantages over over the C two hundred. So the C two hundred has built in NDs that you can just switch on and off. Um, it's got, but I think better audio in a way because it's got two different channels of audio and it's got more and better ports on it. Um, it's also got a handle that's really configurable where you can move it up and down uh, and tilt it around. I actually have this special little rosette thing. I don't know if you can kind of see it, but do you see on the C two hundred handle where there's a little tab, like a little silvery tab there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's actually a rose. That's an Ari rosette, right? That's like a standard type connector. Oh, oh, we're we're talking about the wired thing from the monitor. No, I'm actually talking about if you look at the handle, the handle lower, the lower down, the right side handle in the C200. Okay. You know the the one where you has the grip on it. Yep. With the little yeah yep. with the canon so with kinda, the canon hand protector thing. Yeah. Yep. yep. And if you look where it attaches to the camera, oh yeah, that thing. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a standard rosette, and normally it just kind of screws right into the camera. And oh, okay. You can, you can adjust it by unscrewing it and kind of moving it, and it's take time consuming. But I got the special thing. I think it was from Wooden Camera, that where you press down on that little silvery lever, and it allows you to move it around and then 
and then when you release it, it clamps back on mm-hmm. and it's locking. So you can you just easily kind of rotate the handle back and forth um, without having to unscrew anything. So that's stuff like that. Um, you know, none of that exists on the on the on the on the uh, black magic camera yeah so there's yeah. all these advantages the viewfinder on the on the uh, c200 it's there it's a really good one you can focus with it and use it to shield light and all the things you need to stabilize against your eye yeah. the, the black magic pocket 4k doesn't have it mm-hmm. so so you have a more like versatile usable camera in the c200 than this kind of tricked out almost as large version of of the pocket right so now it's starting like we're where can I use this pocket versus the C200 type thing? Mm. That's the decisions that have to be made. Like what, when would I use one or the other or both or, you know? So since our last discussion where you were, uh, you know, over the moon with the black magic. Yes. Have, have we tempered because of this? Have we tempered our excitement over it a little bit or, you know, also given the, the battery issues, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, ha- has this caused a change of mind here, or what? No, I don't. I think it's a little bit less over the moon excitement over it, mm-hmm. but that's you know that's to be expected. It's not as new as it was right a month ago, but right, <laughs> right. but because uh, the fickleness of the Tech Move crew <laughs> is just incredible <laughs> around here, right? Yeah, um, and it's been really fun, kind of seeing how how little lean I can make it and how big, big I can make it. That's always kind of fun. Um, and the image quality is still really, really good. I like it a lot. Um, grading it and stuff and using the, the files is really, especially the ProRes is really easy to use. Um, so the battery issue is annoying. It's really annoying. Yeah. It, it makes the camera camera a lot less usable. I yeah. feel like, I feel like if you could just get a solid 30 minutes and not have to worry about it, that that would be awesome but i've heard complaints from other people using it too now maybe i'm just being really sensitive and i just need to be a little more aware of it but i mm-hmm. i haven't had to worry about this for a while um yeah i, I mean I kinda, you you've i mean for the longest time right with the uh sony a series cameras i mean battery was always an issue but that was how long they lasted not whether or not you can pull one out or not <laughs> Not where they get stuck in the battery right. department and right. never come and, out. And, and you I'm need, hoping that you need to chew a piece of gum, get a pencil, <laughs> and jam it right in there, and hopefully you can pull it out. Oh yeah, and this, you know, I'm I'm actually considering as part of my emergency kit to bring a pre-stuck-on double-sided, like, or one of the sides doesn't is still has the removable film on it. I just bring that with me, you know, like bring well, a battery with well, it. Stuck well, you know on what's fantastic is well, the fantastic thing about that is that you've got uh, what six brand new uh, authentic slash counterfeit uh, batteries that will work now. I've, I've well, I've, I mean, as a as a dummy, yes, like, as a just solely a to put on a popsicle stick and uh, and and use that to extract <laughs> your battery. I think we've found a new industry. Yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I, I got a 4K battery I, extractor. I got a bunch of tongue depressors <laughs> and uh, th- th- that I think will work just nicely for you. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm. I think it's just I'm just kind of a little all raw, raw from both these battery issues kind of happening at once. So yeah, maybe I'll, it'll temper. Maybe they'll come out with a firmware update that's more. 
I don't know, more forgiving for battery life. And maybe I just didn't need to be, I, I was, this was an issue that happened to me actually when I got my A7s. So because the batteries are so teeny. Yeah. Um, but I still feel like the batteries lasted longer in those than it lasts in the pocket 4k. I still feel like I get a little bit more out of them and that, and that the accuracy of the readouts, like how much was left was, was more realistic. Mm. Like when it started getting into yellow, I felt like the battery's about to go. I feel like with the black magic pocket 4k, I feel like it could say like 50% and it could go in any second. So that's the thing that, that bugs me a little bit. And I'm hoping that's just a firmware thing, you know, yeah. but there'll be a release and then I'll, and then, then I'll feel a little bit better about it. Then mm-hmm. I'll feel like, okay, I could just kind of have a really lean and mean setup and it's, it'll be cool. So anyway, <laughs> have we, <laughs> have we, <laughs> Have we exhausted the the bad battery design? Uh, Your bad battery design? I I mean, I I, I feel bad uh, that actually I I got a $10,000 bonus for designing that battery. (laughs) So um, actually, I kind of feel bad that it's not getting as great of a review, but... Uh, frankly, I'm you know taking my ten thousand dollars and uh, gonna translate that to a uh, I don't know to a nice buffet luncheon. So, a really, a really nice one. Really nice buffet lunch. Or or your your investment in double sided tape stocks. <laughs> the, the, this is where I launched the popsicle stick double sided tape invention with uh most likely chinese uh batteries made in in some sort of prisoner camp or something like that so i I, don't worry i'm on it so uh ladies and gentlemen don't expect another tech move episode for months because uh i got to get on this as quickly as i possibly can so um well good um oh one more thing please one more thing um about the supposedly good authentic uh, Canon batteries. Yes. Um. Apparently, this is really a, a major issue. Like, like there's a lot of counterfeit Canon batteries out there. Like a lot. Like there's there's whole plants making fake ones. Wow. And and like I didn't realize it because then when I looked at it, I went, hmm, this battery is this battery fake? Is it possible this battery's fake? And then I did some research. I should have just done it before. I bought these things on eBay. I should have just said, hmm, they're kind of inexpensive. But, you know, lots of stuff on eBay is, is inexpensive. Right. Um, like, you know, I bought some socks the other day, some some authentic Thorlow socks, and they were like half price. Yeah. Were they from a fake factory? I don't know. Right. They were pretty good. But, but um, yeah, but I did a bunch of research, and I found out that even the labels are a little off, and the little writing's on <laughs> is off on them, and there's just a lot of telltale signs. Yeah. There's whole videos about them. Oh, sure. About the fake, Yeah. And then Canon, if you go down to their, I don't know their their center service center down in in L.A. or wherever they have it, mm-hmm. um, they actually have like a whole display on fake Canon batteries. Oh yeah, like they've devoted like a bunch of shelf space to show the differences between authentic and and real and and fake batteries. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, just be careful when you buy discounted Canon batteries. Well, yeah, you 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 just have to. You know, in some ways, you have to live by the old adage of "you get what you pay for," right? I think that's true. And Sometimes um, I forget that. Well, yeah. I mean, we're all trying to save a buck and all this kind of stuff, and uh, you know, like, like for my GH4, I bought a couple different batteries, you know, backup batteries, but you know, like, 
the the one that came with the camera is so darn good. I haven't had to use the second batteries yet. You know, I mean, my yeah. shoots haven't lasted long enough for me to use battery number two or three. Yeah, you know, for for any reason at all because they were so good. But um, yeah, you know, hey, that 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 that's just it. But um, <laughs> well. Yeah. Uh, very good. Congratulations, yeah. Keith. That's uh, that's thank fantastic. You, thank you. Well, oh, I did. I did get my money back though. Luckily. Oh, you did. Yeah, I sent them both back. You know, eBay is really pretty reliable about about guaranteeing returns and stuff. Right. Unless it's some fly by nighter that has you know zero sales. Good. If it's if it's a real company, they will refund it. So well, I got, I, I got I'm, my money back. I'm in the middle of that personally right now. Oh. And uh, so I I'm hoping what you are saying is absolutely true because. I need them to refund two hundred dollars to me. So Oh, okay. So I, I need that to happen and I will go to any length that I can to <laughs> ensure that I get my two hundred bucks back. So And it's nothing to do with tech move, it has nothing to do with that, but uh, It's not, not technical. Right. Exactly. Okay. It's non technical. Okay. It's Well uh, let me let me know how that goes. I will. I will I will give you <laughs> our next report when we turn tech move into the, your uh, home shopping network uh, <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So. yeah, the consumer Consu- reports right, podcast. Consumer <laughs> report. Yes, yes. Yeah. Your eye in the sky, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> right here at Tech Move. Uh, okay, fantastic. Well, let's um, let's come back, Keith. Uh, okay. After a minute, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with more. Uh, we're probably going to talk a little bit more about more black magic stuff. Okay. Uh, just because we, I think this is just turning into the black magic 4K <laughs> extravaganza. So uh, we'll we'll, we'll let, let's give it a minute. Let's uh, reset and we'll come right back. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. We'll be right back with more here on Tech Move. everyone welcome back to tech move and uh we have come back now uh into our closing segment of this episode and we want to just kind of talk about a few things that have transpired since our last recording uh and discuss some new things that keith has discovered now he's had another few days to play around with the black magic cinema camera 4k uh keith i think you have discovered a few new things either some rants some raves whatever they are and uh you know let's close out this episode with more discussion about that before we uh say our goodbyes yeah well i'm still i still really like the the camera i like the image i like the flexibility of it i was actually just doing something a wide shot like a sit down interview and i was you know, still I'm still kind of in testing mode, but I was doing it for a medium important project, and I used I used a um, just the the Panasonic eight to eighteen wide zoom that I have. It doesn't have image stabilization. I just is that the two point four though? I think it goes from two point four to four. I think it's variable. Oh, it's a variable. It, okay. When, yeah, when it's wider, I think it's two point eight, and then mm-hmm. it goes to four or something like that. Um, but it's pretty wide. It's quite sharp, edge to edge. It's not 
doesn't distort too much. So it's a pretty high quality wide wide lens, and it's very light. It's just the only, in my opinion, the only drawback is it doesn't have image stabilization, which, like on the GH5, is fine. On the GH5S, is 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 less less useful because of that, like as a handheld yep. camera. Right. And then on the Blackmagic, the same thing. It's less useful to hold. It would be perfect for a hand-holding camera that you can run, kind of run and gun with. Because uh, when I've used any type of non-stabilized lens on the Blackmagic, the, the micro-jitters when hand-holding is quite bad. Um, you know, just like any DSLR in the past. And, of fun. course, it also could be eliminated <clears throat> if you put it on some sort of gimbal or something like that, too, right? Yes. If you add a lot of weight to it and make it more massive, if you put it on a gimbal, if you have some type of rig where it's more stabilized or braced against your body somehow, that, that helps a lot. But when you're just holding the camera with a one or two hands, usually two hands, just in front of you, it's it's you'll experience those micro-jitters if you don't use a stabilized lens. So it's kind of it's like a no-no. Like, you wouldn't want to do it. But... Um, so anyway, so I was using this lens and what I've done over the last few weeks since I've um, experienced the battery issue, which is the batteries are just right now, they can just die at any time when it's under like 50%, I feel like. And fit, and fit, <laughs> yeah, like if it gets to 50, it could just turn off. And if, you, if you're recording ProVis, that means your recording is gone because it doesn't have time to write the file. So if it's doing um, the long version of RAW, then, then it, that's, it's fine. Um, if it turns off because it's just a bunch of image sequence, but that's a really right now inefficient way to record. It takes a lot of space. So I usually use ProRes four two two when I can with it. Um, and these are and with the batteries that are quote unquote uh, recommended batteries, right? Yeah, I, yeah. These are with fresh new. Well, I don't know about recommended batteries, um, but fresh new, even name brand like Canon batteries or the third parties. I, I don't. There's not a lot of difference. I think the Canons might be a little more reliable. I think it's just that the power draw of the camera is so high that once the battery can't sustain it, it just shuts off. Mm, wow. So, th so for normal cameras that that use those batteries, there's not a ton of them. You know, all the Canon cameras and stuff, their power draw is just a lot less. You know, those cameras don't have fans in them. They don't. They're not recording RAW, ProRes. You know, they they have a lot lower power requirement than this camera. So this, I think the the problem with this camera is that for that battery size that you have in it, it's on the edge of not really being compatible with that battery. It's like almost drawing at the edge of the the battery's capacity, it, theoretic batter, theoretical battery's capacity. Like you don't have any, you don't really have any extra leeway. You know, it's kind of like ri driving your race car at the edge of the engine blowing up all the time. So, so when you uh, bought the, when you bought the 4K camera, yeah, uh, from Blackmagic. Did they did they provide a battery? They did, it? and yeah, they did. And actually, that battery has a pretty good capacity. Right. But but in other ways, it's kind of lousy. It's mm. pretty it's pretty cheap. It's probably you know it's probably lower end than most of the third party batteries you can get. You know, but you know what yeah. what do you expect there? They don't want to give you a sixty dollar battery with a thirteen hundred dollar camera. Right. That would cut into their profits anyway. So. So I've been just searching high and low for this battery solution, an external battery solution. You know, and there's all kinds of ways to to power it with dummy batteries. And the dummy batteries work pretty well, but I don't I don't really like having the idea of having this dummy battery in my camera if I can help it. But luckily the Blackmagic has a really nice power port and if you get the right cable, it's kind of a specialized actual connector, then you can start adapting other sources to it. So the um what I found 
is that <clears throat> that uh, the port on the side can actually be powered by some um, battery adapters and, and, and not others. Um, and I really wanted to have a modular uh, solution, something that used a, 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 a an industry standard camcorder battery, so I could so I could have a bunch of them and then replace them as needed. I didn't want to have like a power pack where I'd have to charge it up and then bring it in and only work for one use, and then and then I have to you know get another power pack and plug it in. I wanted something where I had like a little battery sled that I could just plug a new battery in when the when the existing battery got low. Right. So so a good candidate for that is a really common battery. They're called the Sony L-series batteries. They're like the typical batteries that that are really cheap, tons of third parties, they work really well. They they can get pretty they can get really small or really big. They can get super super thin. Um and those are good for some things. They don't have that much capacity, but then they can get also really 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 thick. So the the thick deep ones are can last a long time. But they only put out 8.4 volts, so that's that was the issue that I thought that the power port on the side of the Blackmagic camera was not able to work with 8.4 volts. Um, it would just, uh, for example, I had a a, a different I had a, a, an early um, version of the solution that I had used a small rig, um, just a straight small rig uh, uh, connector. Um, so it, it used an NPF battery and then it just had a connector. It wasn't doing any kind of voltage translation or anything like that. And then, and then it went into, um, into the side of the camera and I couldn't get it to work reliably. It would just like shut off. So like the camera didn't like a lower voltage. Hmm. So then I got, yeah. So then I got a, a 12 volt, 12 volt version of the small rig. And not only did the small rig, um, this battery slide get really, really hot because it was upregulating it to from 8.4 to 12. That means it's got some electronics in there, and those electronics can be they're usually draw power because they're converting from one voltage to another. Um, it's it, it takes some electronics and regulators and things like that that actually use power to make that transition um, from a lower to a higher voltage. So those it was getting really hot, and I also got these issues where it was kind of the camera was still shutting off. So I think what was happening was that small rig just didn't have the the amperage, the current output that it, that the camera really needed. So then I was saying, eh, maybe I should just go with a a really high capacity battery system instead of going for these Sony L batteries. Mm -hmm. Right. So I had um, and and these and so I have a couple batteries from my FS5 and my previous EX1. They're called Sony BP-U batteries. And there's a standard BP-U30 and a BP-U60. And then I have some third-party ones called K-Stars, which are the cheaper versions, and they're big, and they, they're good. Um, so I got a I got a kind of a dumb battery solution from this company, company called Aniso. So it doesn't do any kind of electronics. It just passes the battery stuff directly to the cable, and then the cable goes into the camera port. And that solution, that 14.4-volt solution, worked really well. It was really reliable. It lasted a long time. And I said, okay, well, I've got my solution. And, and on, on top of it, the batteries themselves always have a battery, um, like, a, like a button you can push, and then there's a level meter when you push it. So you can kind of quickly check if your battery is going to go or how low it is, just on the battery itself. So that's kind of nice. It's like a little safety feature um, to see how, how you're doing. And then I think the LED on these Aniso um, sleds actually have a little... Um, 
LED that starts going red when it's the volt, it thinks the voltage is going low as well. So that's kind of like a double check. So I was saying, okay, this is a pretty good solution. The only issue is it's kind of, it's kind of largish. This battery tends to be kind of larger and heavier. And so it just made everything a little bit larger and heavier than the Sony solution. Not, not a ton, but just a bit. Um, so then I was going on these, um, Facebook pages and some, some, some guy who's, you know, some of these guys are really nice and other guys are just have no manners, but they're because they know they're right, I guess. And so, <laughs> so there's this one guy that said, oh, I use this solution. And I, and I wrote back, well, I use something similar and I would get the camera turning off. He said, no, this solution works. And he sent me a link to it on eBay. And it was an, it was another Aniso type sled, but instead of it being just a straight, um, like BPU type battery, which is a 14 volt, it was actually using the Sony NP battery, which is the Sony L battery. They're kind of two different names, but it's the same thing. Sony L battery, 8.4 volt. It had a regulator in it that turned it into 12 volts. And then that was spitting out to the, the, the power port on the black magic. So I got one of those. They're like 30 bucks. And oh, I had wow. a ton of, yeah. yeah, and I had a ton of these um, NPF batteries. So I made this rig using the NP, back back to the NPF battery. And lo and behold, it actually worked really reliably. So whatever regulator they had in that Aniso version was better than the, the one on the small rig. So <clears throat> so I started using that, and I actually used it for a couple of gigs, um, a couple of shoots, just nice. that solution. Yeah, I didn't really, like, I kind of had the, the still-in-process prototype version I had this really long wire. I didn't like trim the wires really short. So I had these really long wires from the Aniso as well as from the cable that, that I bought for the Blackmagic. It's kind of like two feet of extra wire that I just kind of had coiled up. And then these, these crimp on connections that look really ugly, you know? Yeah. Um, so it looks a little bit jury rigged, but it was more of like a test before I start kind of getting everything tightly to look really good cosmetically. So I kind of did that. And then I mounted this thing on my camera to to get it to work this it mounted it to the small a small rig cage on the black magic and mounted it to the left side so it's not too big and then i was able to mount a handle on the left side of that so i have a fairly largest black magic rig but it's pretty reliable as far as power goes um one thing that was really cool that's really cool just in general about black magic i guess it's a plus of the battery system is a power system like one plus out of the out of many minuses is (laughs) (laughs) that sounds exactly like it yes um is that if if for some reason the battery goes dead on your external port like if the 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 port just goes dead for whatever reason like you unplug it or whatever the internal battery that's inside the camera will start taking over so and this actually happened. I was actually shocked because I didn't want it to happen. But when I was actually recording this important thing, I noticed, hey, my my light that was on my Aniso battery slide is now completely unlit. What's going on? And it turned out that the battery had gone dead. Uh, the Sony battery, the Sony big battery had gone dead. But I noticed and I looked at the Blackmagic screen, it was actually now using the internal battery. So the screen indicates whether it's AC powered, which is the external source, mm-hmm. or... Um, or internal, and it was it had gone from the AC uh, icon to the uh, percentage icon, which means the battery is being used. So, <clears throat> so that was actually really cool. So then, at the first opportunity, I said, uh, "Could we just stop recording for a second? I need to change batteries." So mm-hmm. I stopped the Black Magic. Ooh, you know, it didn't it didn't lose the file because I was still recording. Mm-hmm. I I turned off the Black Magic. 
um, just for safety. I probably didn't need to. I probably could have just swapped the the external battery like just while it was all on, right? And it was st still used the internal battery. And it, and then I put a new battery. It worked great, and I recorded for another few, couple hours. So these hours, these these batteries go for a couple hours straight. So that's pretty useful, rather than maybe thirty minutes. It, it, but that's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty inconvenient, though, isn't it? I mean, this is it's, just, this is really yeah. You know, and, and this kind of gets us slightly off subject. But you know, what's funny is that you know we've recorded a, a little bit about the Blackmagic uh, camera, uh, cinema camera 4K over yeah. you know over the last couple of weeks or so in different segments, ladies and gentlemen. That's how we actually do it. Uh, we, we, we record certain segments when, when our time permits. Yes. And what's really great, Keith, is that if if anyone can tell on this particular episode that every time you talk about the Blackmagic Cinema Camera 4K is like this really great, oh, I just love it. And now it's like, yeah, it's pretty good still. And it's, uh, <laughs> you know, who knows, maybe by our next episode, maybe... Yeah, I, you know what? I, I just got a Polaroid now, and I'm going to use that or whatever. I mean, this is, uh, uh, I, I, I think as you are trying this, it seems to be, uh, I, I guess if it weren't for the great image that produces, which is pretty consistent, this probably would be something you would have thrown in the garbage a, a, a long time ago. <laughs> At least that's how I feel. I think, I think you would have thrown it away a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's a combination of the good image and the good codec. Ah, yes. That, that that's the thing that still makes me want to keep it because out of all the cameras I have, except for the Blackmagic Ursa Mini, which is gigantic and I don't want to use it yeah. if I don't have to. Yeah. Um, it's 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 got the well those those two great things. You know, it's got it's got the image quality, which is I think really good. It's got good dynamic range. Maybe not as good as the... It's probably not as good as the C200. It's probably a couple stops below it. But for most uses, that's okay. It's got a great codec. Um, it's, and it's going to have an even better codec when it has the Blackmagic RAW built in. Um, you know, there's really... Like, in a way, it's... The codec, I feel like, codec capabilities are better than the C200. Because it can record ProRes. Right. And and ProRes 10-bit is it's pretty darn good. It's pretty gradable and it's pretty versatile. I mean, it's been used for movies and and things like that for years. Um, and and if I want to record RAW with it, I can. I can do that on the C200s. But but um, I guess but I guess in a way, when you start adding and glomming and adding all these extra things to make it actually work, it starts not becoming like a pocket smaller camera anymore. It starts becoming kind of big and inconvenient. Yeah. So so there's basically I think there's two modes that I'm going to use it for. One is this kind of this kind of set um piece and I think it works really well for that where it's just in a kind of studioish situation like interviews things like that where I I just set it I set it as the wide camera or just as an extra camera with a different angle and because I'm pr I'm recording ProRes so that I can just take these files I don't have to transcode them they work pretty efficiently on my computer and and then I have a couple other better cameras going, you know, like in this last, um, I did, I did one shoot where I was recording two, I was recording two people at once, which is really challenging always because you have to get the lighting good on both people. They both have to be in focus and, and then sometimes you have to cut to a wide shot that shows both of them. But most of the time you, maybe you're cropped in on one or the other. And, 
so I used my my two C200s, and then I had um, on either side aimed at the two different people, and then I had my um, Blackmagic pocket camera in the middle on a wide, and that was actually a pretty efficient situation. And it, and the and the pocket camera wasn't taking up too much space, and it wasn't too it w- didn't require too much maintenance. It was kind of like set and forget. Mm-hmm. And I had a one terabyte drive in there, and that ter- that lasts for like two and a half three hours. That wow. one terabyte That's pretty drive. good. Yeah, with ProRes. Yeah. So I got a lot of recording time there. I had my I actually had my C200s not on their raw format. I had them on the on the MP4 format, which is actually really good. Um, the MP4 format in control conditions, I think, is it rivals the quality of the RAW. It's actually quite good. It's just in, when you're in less controlled conditions, if you need to grade a lot, like you've got lots of highlights and lots of shadows, and you really need to maximize that dynamic range and then correct it in post, it's, it might be good for like a run and gun situation where you're just out, a little out of control. You don't have control. Um, but in this situation, it's really good. And I had my two C200s on autofocus mode for face tracking. So when people kind of move around and and move forward and backward for emphasis, you know, the, the C200s are awesome because, I mean, I'm using them maybe at not not too um, small aperture. So there's not the, the depth of field is pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. And, and if they move forward six or eight inches or back, that can actually change the focus. So I just had them on autofocus and it worked really well. And that was a great, that was kind of a perfect situation for the black magic with this battery pack. And the uh, focusing w- went relatively smoothly. It didn't hunt or anything like that. It went, it went pretty well. The, the C200s are pretty reliable. They're, they're really awesome with the autofocus. It's good. Yeah. Um, I think there might be some situations where they, they, they go out of focus, but you can kind of set up the parameters where if, if it starts not knowing what to do, then it just doesn't do anything. So it doesn't always get too out of focus. It's not going to just suddenly lock onto the background because it can't find a face or something like this. It'll just kind of stay where it was going. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to not move. Yeah. And then and then once it does find a face, then it starts to focusing again. So it doesn't ever get too far out. Um, if you have different modes, it can start focusing on anything, and it, that starts getting weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I love the C200s for that. So, yeah, so I still like the 4K, so it's great for this situation. Another, and I'll give you another situation, and this is kind of a good segue to another thing I got recently, which I was waiting for for like two months, which is the, um, I ordered like in November, and I got it, you know, three weeks ago, Whoa. maybe. So, yeah, it's been on order for a long time. I go I ordered it basically the week I got my Blackmagic. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's called the Edge 5-inch uh, loop. And it's it's basically like a, a Z-Finder made by some guy in um, Brazil, I think. Okay. And um, handmade out of leather. leather. I think he actually grows the cows and, and you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and does all the rest of the stuff and tans right. the, the hides. Sure. And then eventually turns it into a... I think that's why it takes so long. Because... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I got this thing eventually after sending him 20 emails. He's really nice. His name's Nicholas. And um, he... Uh, he speaks English well, uh, or at least he writes it well. And and I just kept having, I, f- I kind of felt like he was just just like like a maniac making these things one after the other because he's got so much demand from all these people that wanted it. And like, and so I, I think I think if I hadn't bugged him, he, I probably would still be waiting. So I was like bugging him in a nice way every week. Hey, what's going on? Can you send it quick? Can mm-hmm. you do this and that? And mm-hmm. eventually I got it. So I got it, put it on. It's actually not bad. It's it's kind of big for a loop. It's maybe like maybe like an inch and a half longer 
uh, farther away from the camera, you know, like the whole case and everything. Sure. By the time you put your eye up to your eyes, like one and a half, two inches back from where a normal um, loop is, Mm -hmm. you know, like a Z finder or something like that. But it's not that big of a deal. It's pretty lightweight. It's fairly well constructed. But there's a couple negatives, I'm sorry to say. Oh. Um, Yeah. The eyepiece is really uncomfortable. Um, I think that um, it's kind of like a, almost like a handmade thing out of some type of not very flexible kind of hard foam, the eyepiece. And it just really hurts my eye when I put my eye up against it. Like, I I feel like. So ergonomically, it doesn't really work that well. I wish he had just used some kind of soft rubber like every single other eyepiece in existence. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. but it's it's made out of some kind of hard foamy thing. So but there are solutions to it. Like one solution I had was I ripped off the um eyepiece rubber from my I have a bunch of Z finders lying around. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just ripped it off and just kind of stuck it on top of it cuz it's so this thing is so big that it fits it, it the, the Z finder um, eyepiece just kind of fits into the <laughs> into oh, the wow. hard the yeah. hard thing, yeah. and I just use that to kind of um, cushion my eye a little bit. And then they sell these 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 cushion chamois things that I have. I have a couple old ones because I don't use them that much anymore. But they're for like um, like cinematography viewfinders, which can be really expensive and big. Um, and and they're like these um, kind of disposable foamy uh things with a sham they're kind of chamois they have like a chamois material in it that goes up against your eyes so it can absorb sweat and stuff like that sure that like out in the sahara right deserts when you're operating so um yeah so i i the one i have is kind of small so it doesn't quite fit on this gigantic edge loop um eyepiece but i could probably stretch it out and modify it I haven't quite done that yet or maybe find a larger one so i think that's the solution or just you know glue something on that's a little bit um a little bit easier to use. Um, another thing about it is that it doesn't have a adjustable diopter. So if your eyesight isn't, you know, you can't focus that good close, which for me now I can't. <laughs> right. um, and it's getting worse and worse. Yeah. And, one eye, yeah. And, and my left eye is actually pretty good. I can still focus pretty close with my left eye. Um, but my right eye is terrible. And, and that's the one I used to focus with. So it doesn't have the diopter in it. So, so it's not, so I'm not able to, f- I mean, it hasn't a diopter, but it's not a strong enough, I think. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not adjustable. Whereas like on the Z finders and other loops I've used, they're always adjustable. You know, like the, the small HD viewfinder EVF has an adjustable diopter. The Zacuto does, the Hoodman, even the lowly Hoodman does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's some others and they, they all seem to have an adjustable one, but for some reason, Nick didn't put an adjustable one into the edge, and I missed that when I was ordering it. Could so, he have? Is, is that what you're saying? He, he could I think have? He, I think he should have. I think he should have. He got to car- charge a little bit more for it. Mm-hmm. So now I'm trying to figure out a way if I can chop off the back of this thing mm-hmm. um, and, and put on a, my Zacuto Z Finder and, and see if it'll work. Hmm. Or just wait until somebody somebody else comes out with one. Yeah. But but I, But still, with all those things being said, it's not great it still makes it a lot better when you're hand holding and so there's this mode that i that i use now if i want to take the pocket out i'll take a and i want to hand hold it i can actually put this loop on and it does a good job of stabilizing because it's now it's up against your face mm-hmm. right so any yeah even if you used a non-stabilized lens um you still have a better chance of not getting the jitters right 
And right. it's and it was a very small setup. It was a very small and light setup. I just had a little, very kind of a longish DSLR case that's a shoulder mount thing. Mm. And it was I was able to fit a smallish um, micro four thirds lens, this loop and thing, all in the, all in the one pack. And it wasn't too gigantic. And when I whipped it out, it was quite easy to use. So, so. is that the only reason why you'd really want to use a loop is for that added stability? Uh, because it, it just seems to me that using an external monitor is it, it, just easier for our eyes. You know, you get a bigger screen. I mean, and, well, and, and but if you're in direct sunlight, a loop, I think, could could be better, you know, in, in that instance. But is, is the only reason why you'd want to use a loop for that added stability? Um, I think, well, you just you just hit, hit it all. And you're, mm-hmm. when you're in sunlight, it's way easier to use. Um, yes, to use a loop. Um, and and but yes, the the only reason the only other reason is the stability. Mm-hmm. And and uh, well, I guess the other reason is you know an external monitor adds bulk to the system. So for example, I wouldn't be able to bring this such a portable system out with an external monitor. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't just put it in a little shoulder pouch camera case. I'd have to I'd have to put it in like a big sling pack and probably have to have the monitor folded in because it wouldn't fit if it was out, or I just have it have to have it hanging on exposed hanging uh, to my side something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So so there's some kind of drawbacks to having a monitor in in a very portable handheld situation. Yeah. You know, if you want to, yeah. yeah, and if you want to do like a run and gun thing and be kind of nondescript. And seem like you're a photographer, even mm-hmm. though now you have this honking big loop on the back. Yeah, you still you can still pass it off more than you than if you start having these exter- external monitors and things hanging yeah. off your black magic. Well, that's very true. That's yes. the, I mean, like anytime you have the monitor, everyone's trying to look at what's seeing what you're seeing and all this kind of stuff, and they're all nosy bodies and stuff like that. Right. You're, right. Then you're not being very discreet at all. Right. And I have this small HD 502, which has a monitor and has a loop on it. And I kind of use that a little bit, and I'm still trying to figure out if I, it's actually useful because um, it still it starts making the thing kind of big again. And then moving it around, changing it from the, the, the monitor mode to the loop mode, it requires some extra um, hardware that doesn't, like it's kind of hard to find and make work well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did actually find something that I think works quite well. Um, I'm going to just look it up. Because I ordered it from Amazon, and let me just go to my records here. Let's take a second. <clears throat> I would actually recommend it for you too if you're using kind of external monitors. It's actually one of the coolest um, kind of tilt and pan, and in, 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 it's kind of like a ball head type thing, but okay. better. So let me just try to find it, and I'll send you a link. Yeah, here it is. It's the small rig articulating arm. Articulating magic arm with double ball head NATO clamps. And let me just send you a link to that so you can kind of look at it with me. Okay, so. So you see a picture of it there, right? Yep. So this thing is actually pretty darn awesome. Um, so what it's got, it's got two NATO clamps, and I love NATO clamps for monitors and things where you're doing a lot of twisting, and 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 potentially they can twist off. Mm-hmm. Every time you screw something into a monitor and you and you tilt it or do anything with the monitor, 
it unscrews the screw. Yeah. And uh, it's just I, I have that problem myself with all the stuff that I use. Yeah. And then anytime anything is screwed into your rig, like like if you have a cage or something like that, it always unscrews. Mm-hmm. So the solution is find some type of system where it kind of locks, positively locks. So there's a way to do it with 15 millimeter rods. But a, a really cool way is these NATO is this NATO system. It's kind of a two-sided system. One is a clamp that clamps onto these kind of flat plates that are all the same width. There's kind of a standard. And sometimes they're different lengths and they have different sets of holes and stuff, but they're always the same width. So you can use different brands and, and mix and match and they're quite versatile. So you put these you put up you put the NATO plate part, the kind of long plate, it's like three quarters of an inch wide by whatever length. So I usually use a really short one and I put that onto the monitor. And then I put um, another one of those onto the camera or wherever I want to attach the monitor to, usually the camera, but it could be a tripod or something else. And then, and then I use this, now I can use this small rig articulating arm. And it's, I feel like it's better than a ball head because it's really variable. And it's also kind of got the system where if you slightly loosen it, it has a bit of tension still. So it doesn't just flop and your monitor drops. Right. It'll actually kind of stay in place if you do, as long as you're careful about not untightening it too much. Right. So you can just untighten it slightly and then move it around. And by moving it, you won't be unloosening anything because you've got these NATO clamps on. And then you can just tighten it, and you can do that all with one hand. So I experimented with that on my on my Blackmagic, and that kind of works pretty well with the the small HD 502 with the the built-in loop thing. So I'm still, you know, I'm going to experiment with that with Run and Gun and see how that works. But I my my overall feeling is I think the loop is probably the best solution for mm. just being out there. And, and, and although even though the loop is the best solution that doesn't mean that you've found the ultimate loop you're still looking for that ultimate oh loop. yeah yes i think theoretically a loop could be a really good solution like Zakudo was talking about making a loop and there's just probably going to be fantastic mm-hmm. it'd also be probably be really expensive but they were talking about a loop maybe like kind of like the one i have now but instead of the way it is now, which is a you you glue this or you use this double sided tape that they provide, and you and then you stick it onto the back of your around your Blackmagic uh, LCD, mm-hmm. and then it's a magnetic catch, so you can just pull it off and then put and then stick it back on, and it's pretty cool. I actually like that system, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty powerful um, magnetic, so it doesn't come off that easily, um, and then you just attach a little um, strap to your camera so that when you pull it off it doesn't drop on the ground mm. or something and then and it but it's since they're close by for you to put back on when you need it now I, I did that a couple times because sometimes you might need to access the screen and and so um you'll need to pull it off access the screen with your fingers to touch screen and then put it back on but uh, zakuda was talking about maybe making like a little thing where you could a little hole in the bottom which had some like fabric in there or mm-hmm. something where you mm-hmm. could stick your fingers through, but it would still be dark when your fingers weren't through there. Right. You could stick your fingers through mess, mess with it, this, the touch screen and then bring them out and it would still be dark. That's, that sounds like a pretty good solution. I would get that. Um, let's see what else. Oh, just getting on the run and gun thing. I, I find that the buttons are, are, are cool because the, there's about six different function buttons on the camera up near your, your index finger and, and a bunch more in the back. Mm-hmm. Those are actually pretty good and useful. However, I kind of get I get confused um, using them. So I've always thought about adding texture 
to my buttons so that I can differentiate them. Like oh, that's add interesting. Yeah. yeah. So add texture to one, but then not the one next to it, and then mm -hmm. add texture to the next one. So you can kind of easily go, oh, okay, that texture one, but it's next to the one that's not so textured, mm -hmm. so then I know which button it is. And so I actually said, is there anything out there that exists um, that that would allow me to do that? Mm -hmm. And I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try it. Um, it's these things that you actually normally, it's made for iPhones, but it's like a clear textured stick-on stuff. Okay. And I'm going to send you a link to it just because I think it's kind of interesting. You might, maybe you can add it to your, um, you know, to your GH4 or something. Tell me what you think. But it's pretty cheap too. So it's these things called dragon grips. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah and they're, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're and then you can kind of come cut them out into little dots and little sure. things that'll fit over your buttons. Sure. And I think it won't obscure. I think it you'll still be able to see the writing under the button if you want. Although I don't know if you'd really need to. So I'm going to try to put those on and and see what kind of disaster I can create with these. The stick on. Do you things. assign your buttons uh, anything? Do Do you make them like yeah. hotkeys and stuff like that? Um, there's only three buttons on the Black Magic mm -hmm. um, that are assignable, and yeah. Uh, th those I assigned to like false color, I think focus, and I can't remember what the other one is. I think it's LUT, LUT on or off, mm -hmm. so I can just check it. Um, and then the back keys are all, they're not assignable. They're they're just uh, punch in for the focus. <clears throat> and there's one stupid button, which I hate, which is um, auto exposure, which always hitting it, and so I was changing my exposure, and I'm having to reset it. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and then there's menu and a few other buttons um, that are, though again, those are kind of hard to tell when you're not actually looking at them what you're doing. So that texture tape is going to help a lot. So I think that's a that's a pretty. I, you know, I was actually even thinking about like, but then I think they'd be too big. You need something kind of small and thin, just a little something to rough it up a little bit. Uh, but I, I was even thinking like, uh, uh, like little felt little bits of felt that you could just glue onto the button or something like that. Yeah. So anything to add texture yeah. where it's not going to look, you know, like your your camera fell in a vat of glue or something. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But uh, So I'll let you know how that goes. But I have a feeling it's going to work out well. Okay. So, and hopefully if it doesn't, they'll, I'll be able to peel them off and it'll take all the lettering off my buttons. You can only hope. <laughs> It, it, it'll hurt the resale value in two weeks when you're when you're sick of the thing and you get rid of it. So, I um, want that to happen. So I think okay. So to wrap up, because I know I have to go. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to talk about it now, but next episode we'll tease it for next episode. Sure. Exposing properly on the Blackmagic Cinema Pocket 4K. Did I get it right? Is, no, um, but that's close <laughs> enough because the name is so long. It, 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 it could be anything by the end of this uh, particular episode. So, uh, whatever that camera is, expo <laughs> ex exposing when you're in RAW or or maybe even in in, in ProRes is quite mysterious. I've I've been realizing. Oh, really? Because, yeah, because I I thought it was a little bit simpler and more cut and dried. When when I first talked about it, I was just saying, oh, just just expose at twelve fifty, and you'll get the best results. Mm -hmm. You know, either four hundred or twelve fifty. Mm -hmm. But what that really does is that gives you the best noise results, but it it actually then reduces your your highlight capability. So if you want to get highlights, then maybe you don't want to expose at that. So anyway, we're gonna talk 
more about how to expose properly on this camera later. And it has to do with something called exposure index, which has been around in lots of cameras, um, namely some of the, the Sonys that record um, log and, and, and raw, but um, lots of cameras since the beginning of time. And, and it's basically the fact that cameras, when they're recording raw, are basically not doing any type of gain. They're not amplifying the signal. They're just fooling you into think they are thinking they are <laughs> and and then you have to if you want to use them properly you have to figure out what's going on so you can actually figure out how it's fooling you <laughs> <laughs> great so so we'll tease that for next time no i i, I <laughs> and that sounds like something that uh will be very exciting uh <laughs> it, it, you know i mean in the sense of like you know, we're. I, I think exposure. You're trying to master that, no matter what camera you have, and yes. uh, so it, it it'll be a good listen. Good, good, okay. good, good. We will we will look forward to that. Well, Keitha, uh, we're gonna wrap things up here, but before. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We can't end the show yet, Keith. I'm oh. I, I'm sorry to say this. Because this is, <laughs> all right, this is really fantastic. We just spent what's probably the last two hours or so of this episode talking, of course, about the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K, and it has just been released some new and improved updates. I think, Keith, this is what is reported now as 6.1 update. Okay, yes. this is the 6.1 update, and there are some major updates in this firmware here. And I think uh, as uh, professional journalists, as uh, people who have formerly worked at uh, 60 Minutes, like you and I have, <laughs> we need to report this to the uh, worldwide tech move universe. Yes. Uh, Keith, uh, we need to touch on this quickly before we really wrap up the show here. Um okay. 6.1, some new features, Keith. Yes. Support for pixel remapping in camera. Uh, I personally haven't needed it, but a lot of it's actually a common feature where there's just sometimes in most cameras, because there's so many pixels on a sensor, they will have like a, a locked on or off pixel. And uh, most cameras have the way, a way of remapping those, basically saying don't use that pixel. Um, interpolate from the ones around it what, what it should be. And since there's so many pixels, it really doesn't matter in the image quality if there's one or two throughout the screen. But it, when it is broken, you'll notice like a red dot or a white dot. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. In your image, and it doesn't move. It's just wherever you go, it's always in the same place. So, so yeah. So that's actually pretty good for those people that have have that issue. Great, great. Yeah. Uh, there's also a couple here that you know, at least I don't think we find it important. A 2.1 monitoring frame guide. Uh, there's an improved no. media formatting user interface. Eh. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah the frame guide. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't use it. Frame but. guide maybe maybe not, but maybe the media formatting user interface maybe that's helpful. Um, I think it basically allows you to go through a few different button clicks before you actually format the drives. So I guess for those that just kind of blindly hit format, format, button click, 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 it, it makes a few more button clicks. So if you're in auto mode, you'll just have to. It'll take you more time to 
incorrectly format your all your data. Right, so you don't and, accidentally and, just wipe everything. <laughs> yes, like give I you like, a like I like warnings. to do so often. <laughs> Great. Has that ever happened to you, by the way? Actually, no, because you yeah. know, on the uh, GH one, GH four. You, you, you kind of have to go through, you know, uh, they they don't make the format button just at the very top either. So even if you're pressing stuff and just repeatedly pressing things, it's kind of hard to get to that format thing. Yeah. And then actually was, say, yes, I want to format. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I think maybe with the Black Magic it was a little bit too easy, but yeah. I don't know. For me, it's just an extra button click and more time. Uh, yeah, seconds, it, it, seconds lost from my life. Either, either that, or now it's buried so far you'll never be able to reformat anything now. No, so, no, yeah. just throw out the card. Exactly, throw out the yeah. card. Yeah. Uh, improved audio monitoring latency performance. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's if you're you have a headphone plugged in. Um, there was, I think, there was a couple frame delay, which is actually noticeable um, when you're listening because audio, you know, you're just so sensitive to audio and visual. In, um, latencies so so I think that's important for those that do monitor off that camera for me probably not as much since it's mostly a B camera but if I was using it for an A camera and had the headphones plugged in and had some audio going in yeah important because you're still using uh, external audio recording are you not um, well I usually just use it for the scratch audio uh, so, that's right yeah I just use the built-in mics and 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 I don't really monitor off the camera I don't like listen to it as I'm recording. I just note that the the meters are going. In fact, I think for the last few shoots that I've used it, I've just made sure that the meters are going when I like tap the mics on the camera. <laughs> I don't even plug it in. I guess I probably should, but but <laughs> but since it's just scratch audio, right? You know, it's it's as long as it's just doing some kind of signal, even if it's got buzz or you know other bad stuff in it. I don't really care too much. So good. But if I were just it was an A camera and I had a mic on it, yeah, definitely important. Well, here's one that I know everybody who's going to have uh, the uh, 4K camera out there is going to be very interested in. It is improved autofocus performance. Yeah. Well, uh, that's well, The jury's good. out on that one, right? I mean... Yeah, it's still not... As far as I know, I've read a few... I honestly have not updated my camera because this just came out like yesterday. Um, but um, I think it's still just the touch, you know, like the one-shot focus. So it's not going to be continuous. It's not going to... Tr- you can do any tracking or even if you have the, the spot in the middle set or whatever spot, it's not going to continually track, but it might be more accurate. So that's could be a good thing. We'll see. I'll have to test it. Um, how about this improved signal to noise ratio performance of cameras, internal microphone. Oh yeah. That actually, that actually is probably good. Although the internal microphone was not bad. It was not bad at all. I think maybe they're, I'm not sure if they have that as a misnomer or not, because the recording levels have been pretty good, but I think for the 3.5 jack, 3.5 millimeter jack, when you're plugging an external mic, um, you know, but not the XLR, it's just the, you know, like the Rode video mic or something like that. I think it was, it was just recording at too low of a level. So I think they bumped up that up. Or maybe that's another one. Anyway, that's a good thing, but I haven't noticed it to be an issue because I don't, really use the internal mics for anything important so but if they did it that's great yeah and we'll go on to the other one because i think it's listed later i didn't see it (laughs) (laughs) well uh, and and another one that's really important here uh because i know that i think we talked about in in this uh in this podcast 
a um, lot. <laughs> you, you obviously you <laughs> might have just wasted all your money on all those new batteries you just bought because there's supposed to be improved power efficiency and improved battery life. Yeah. Well, I probably we'll find did. out. We'll see. We'll find out. But but I have heard a couple of reports of people that nor- that maybe were getting like 30, 40 minutes, getting like an hour or more. So that if these reports are correct, that's actually huge. Because to me, that was the worst part of the camera was the battery life. Like you couldn't rely on it. So that's good. And I don't I don't mind. I mean, I, I got I bas- I returned my my uh, BPU uh, sled and, and and batteries. No, I didn't return the sled. But I returned the batteries, the extra batteries I got. The BPUs are the 14-volt batteries um, because I didn't really need it because I, I don't need you know too many of those batteries But because I already have some for my, my Sony stuff. But um, so, you know, I returned, you know, 150 bucks worth of stuff already. Yeah. Um, but this is um, – but I don't mind, you know, for long shoots. Still, you don't want to rely on the internal battery for like a long interview or something like that. You still want to have external – sources so i don't think it's a complete waste of my money yeah but i think it's a great up update because because that really was like i i didn't trust this camera at all when i was shooting you know right. like i felt like i was too much of my attention was spent worrying about the battery so now maybe i won't have to worry about that and i can just be a little bit calmer about <laughs> about using the internal battery well we'll find out <laughs> yeah we will but find that's out. the huge one yeah that's the huge one. that's yeah. big uh improved 3.5 millimeter audio input selection interface. Now, upon reading that, I, I kind of don't really understand what that means. <laughs> because, like, to me, it, 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 when you read it just right off the bat, it, it sounds as if they included a 3.5 millimeter audio uh, input. <laughs> but it's about the selection interface. So, yeah. I don't, you want to explain that one to me? Well, honestly, I don't know exactly what it means but i'm assuming that the interface for selecting the jack was terrible or was confusing so i guess they made it clear so when instead of so if you have a 3.5 jack plugged in maybe it's easier to select it now maybe before you had to go through a rigmarole to get it selected but once there is a input source in the jack does it not already default to that jack or is that not something that somebody wants to have happen well i wish i had the um the camera in front of me with the new up the old and the new updates to talk about it right right. (laughs) but um but nobody seems to know what that means that are that, that's out there. So I, I will have to research that and, and report back how awesome it is. I, I'm sure it's nothing but awesome. Well, uh, <laughs> along that lines, there is now improved AV sync performance. So I have no idea what that means. I know, me neither. But anyways, <laughs> but it sounds good. Uh, apparently, also in the 6.1 firmware update, there are a bunch of fixes that also uh-huh. occurred. Uh, uh, where the time and date is not updated on the camera when connected to the Blackmagic camera setup utility. So apparently they've uh, corrected that. Uh, Here's, oh, where the 3.5 millimeter audio input level is 6 dB lower than expected. This is actually a good one. This is a a big improvement. that, That sounds like a lot of dB loss. Oh yeah, that's huge. That's like, four times the level or something it's it's a lot or two times the level it's quite a bit 
So yeah, so you'd notice that, and that, I think it was responsible for noisy recordings. So that's a good update for. I haven't honestly haven't used that jack on mine. I mean, I think I plugged it in once to see if it worked. But um, but yeah, for those that use that jack with like a video mic pro or other small mics, I think it's huge. And uh, here's one that I'm particularly interested in. It's going to, I guess, improve uh, the autofocusing with the Lumix 20 millimeter uh, f 1.7 lens. That's didn't cool. Know, I didn't know there was I a problem, that. but uh, yeah, I think I have that. So that I'll have to try that out with my twenty millimeter. Maybe you never noticed there was a problem with it, though. I yeah, I haven't. I've only used a few autofocus lenses, and since the autofocus is, wasn't very good, I didn't really care. <laughs> but but maybe it's better now, so I'll care. <laughs> maybe you'll actually use it once or twice. Ever. Yeah, maybe maybe. Uh. Uh, it also improves on where some USB-C external SSDs were not detected when connected before yes. cameras powered up. So that that sounds like something that would be good for you. That is awesome, although I personally have not res- uh, experienced that, but a lot of people have. Like, they would have their SSDs plugged in and it just wouldn't, it wouldn't show up. So I guess the solution was to unplug them, plug them back in, power off power on Ooh, like a hard and, reboot type of thing huh yeah yeah and just to get it to detect so i guess now that's more reliable i personally never experienced that i always found the ssd to be super reliable and how it detected it maybe i experienced it once but it wasn't like all the time it just maybe once so so that's good though don't have to worry about it here, here, here and here they are keith here's here's the big ones where some batteries might shut off earlier than expected and where the low battery indicator is not displayed appropriately. That's good. Those are good. I'm going to lump those together. They're, they're bullet pointed, to, uh, you know, as, as separates, but I'm yeah. going to lump them all together because uh, I know that was something that we talked about earlier in today's episode. So Yes, yes. It's, those are both huge. It's going to um, help me and, and make me less mad at the camera. <laughs> and, and it'll help my clients that are relying on me to actually record them and not have with, it erased with the, by camera the camera on not yes. off <laughs> <laughs> not lose all their data in the middle of their that, shoot. Uh, yes. uh, 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 when you do when you do do this update I'll be very interested to see what uh, you know how your battery indicator actually has improved or if it has yes it'll be fun for the next episode to t- talk about how none of this is actually improved right exactly but, or, be or whatever right <laughs> but but I'm hoping it's all much better so that's great so, and then uh, as far as another fix here, uh, it's supposedly fixed uh, that the camera not being detected by host computer when connected to certain USB ports. Yes. Have I you experienced for, that? I think it wasn't, I think it wasn't compatible with like the USB 3 on computers, which all, is weird. All th- I, USB 3s? I, I think so. I think so. Um um, and then, so this, I think the workaround, now this is for the, for updating. So I've never updated the camera, but you have to update it through the computer. So you can't actually update. You can't <laughs> with doesn't some that, computers. Does it have Wi-Fi on it? Can't you update it through there? Um, it has Bluetooth, but I don't think you can. Okay. So, you know, I think the only way to update it, the firmware is through a computer. And I think it's like a catch 22. Like you can't do the update to get this feature because your computer can't connect. 
So those people are just left in the dark and they want everybody to be able to update. No, you have to do a workaround, like plug it into a hub and then, and then it'll work into your computer, something like that. Wow. So yeah, I, I guess I'll find out if it, if I could just plug this thing directly into the Lumix, I mean, into the black magic or, or not. And if not, then I'll have to put a hub in between. Well, but hopefully this some, fix it. Hopefully yeah. this fixes. Well, it'll fix it after I update it. But yeah. before I update it, it won't. Right. So I'll have to exactly. do the workaround. Exactly. If it affects me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then finally, there's an updated dynamic range and ISO chart in the user manual. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I and it's funny because I, I um, looked at it. And I actually analyzed what the difference was. So it's... It's interesting because what all it, all they did, they didn't really up, they didn't change the dynamic range of of the chart. All they did was they changed how many stops above and below you had. So the original chart in the I guess the faulty chart in the original manual um, had more highlight range above middle gray, and then less uh, shadow range below middle gray. Mm-hmm. And all they did was they just bumped it down like one and a half stops or one point something stops, 1.7 stops or something weird. But they basically just moved all those bars down down lower so that there's more shadow dynamic range and there's less highlight range. So that's what I think people were getting weird results. Like it didn't, their results on blown, being blown out uh, didn't match the Blackmagic chart. And then Blackmagic went, oh, we made a goof. And so they updated it. So Oh, wow. Yeah, so okay. kind. Of, I guess it's kind of important if you're using their chart because everybody was talking about their chart for a while. But um, anyway, they fixed it, so that'll. And then we're going to talk about this probably next episode about exposing with the camera. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Keith, that's that's it. That's uh, yeah. the uh, new six point one firmware update that uh, Blackmagic Design just put out. Yep. In fact, I'm going to even say that they just put out that update as we were recording this episode of tech move so uh we'll 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 be uh we'll stake that claim yes yes we're this is probably one of the first podcasts in the universe to break this news <laughs> and exciting news it is ladies and gentlemen <laughs> black magic pocket cinema camera 4k has its first update ladies and gentlemen so uh yes. and it's a big so- one i i i i think I, uh, you know, according to all the headlines out there, the the big ones are, of course, the pixel remapping and the battery life. So, well, and of course, the autofocus. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's, th- 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 those are big things. You know, we'll 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 see how it goes. And um, so, Keith, you know, I, yes. I implore you for the good of this show to uh, install uh, this update on your camera, yes. what, at least one of them. Yes. It'd be good if you just did one and then left the other one alone and see how crappy the other one is or how it was better before and then yeah you know revert back to it or something. That'd be yeah, yeah. I think some people that did the update um, like they couldn't use their camera after it or something. So Almost like bricked it, right? Almost bricked. Yeah, it, you know? yeah. But I think that's rare. I think I think mostly most people are pretty happy with it. So. Uh, do you think you're going to do it pretty soon? Yeah, I was going to try to do it before this recording. I just ran out of time, but yeah, I'm going to do it like. Like today, good. So <laughs> but then, I'll just do it with one camera. Well, and 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 you know what? That that'll just mean uh, more fun and hilarity uh, 
for the next episode of Tech Move. So yes, yes, excellent. Okay, well, you know what, folks, we're really going to end this episode now because I'm exhausted. Keith is exhausted. Uh, and, uh, you know, we won't go through the whole list, but as always, we want you to remember to find us out on techmovepodcast.com and, of course, to support us using uh, techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon, where yes. we get a couple of nickels for uh, every time you click through that. And yeah, course, just go. Go ahead. go ahead. No, you go. Just, just in general, just go to the website, which is techmovepodcast.com, for all you know, updates, information, and how to get links to all our different ways to get a hold of us and sponsor us and give us money and you know get information and stuff like that. One thing I do also yeah. want to implore our listening audience is to uh, give us a review on iTunes because iTunes oh, yeah. likes that. So uh, yeah. give us a review. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, the higher the better, uh, and that would no, be actually, brutal. yeah. I think just high. Just there's only one choice: five stars. That's really all there should be. Yeah. If you don't like it, don't even bother. Right. Then go listen to NPR. (laughs) Anyway, Keith, thank you very much for spending this uh, little bit of extra time with us. Uh, Greatly appreciate it. It's uh, great that you'll be our guinea pig once again. So, uh, (laughs) but anyway, for uh, the great Keith Moreau, I have been Rod Louie, and you have been listening to Tech Move. And we want to thank you very much, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you very much, everyone. 